Hello and welcome back to Blood and Ashes. This is episode 71. I am your host Mo and I'm joined once again by my unblocked friends Jody. Hello. And Billy. I'm a lady. <laughs> Wilhelmina, who is now unblocked. As I said that, I realized that sounds like some, maybe like we took some laxatives or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I thought. But okay. <laughs> I know. I'm expecting now what you're going to say, and I'm trying to link it to what's happening. Uh huh. I mean, that's a pretty mean? obvious one. Yes, yes. I only took my 70 something episodes. What episode is this? 71? 71. Oh, sweet. Mm hmm. So we are back after another lengthy break. This time it was your turn, Vili, to go gallivanting. What did you get up to? I went gallivanting. <laughs> and not like glamorous style, like in the dirt camping. It was fun. Fishing, mm. sand and toes. It was good. Yeah. Saw the photos. You caught a lot of fish. Yeah, we did. Did well for the limited time of fishing you can do with little ones with you. Um, <laughs> yes, you you did really well. You gotta you gotta wrangle them still. But, but you <laughs> get Jamie's Jamie's taken to it now. So Jesse nice. is forced into having to sit and just chill. <laughs> does she does she handle it okay? Like does she play with a bait or like does she get into like Oh, yeah, man. fish or when anything the fish like that. gets landed and it and it lies on the side there she builds a story around the fish fish is part of a game it's an extension <laughs> cool. of her toys <laughs> a backstory a complex lore poking the eyes nothing fish gets put upright okay you part of this the teddy bear comes out sits next to the fish there's a party <laughs> happening over there on the sand oh man amazing I had the opposite experience. I took my kids to the city and we all broke down. Like the kids got sick. They were just in tears the whole time. It was way too much stimulation for them. It was terrible. And just driving back into Bellingen, we were just thinking, man, we are going to postpone going to any major city for as long as humanly possible. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good idea, Moritz. Cities are dark places. They are. No, they're lovely. Love them. Karian, Ibudar, especially uh, Ibudar. I don't know. Karian, I, I don't I don't feel a lot of love for Karian. I mean, Camelin, I'm always a fan of. Tavalon sounds lovely. Uh, Ibudar, mm, Amador. I don't know. Four Gates. Amador's Four the Gates. place to be. Four Gates, where the actions. <laughs> Amador. <laughs> Amador. See Amador. Lugard. <laughs> Lugard. Go gamble. What happens in Lugard stays in Lugard. <laughs> Lugard. Holiday destination for families. You know, that's how they market it. <laughs> Bring your family. A um, lot of stuff goes down in Ibudar in these chapters, though. Huge moment for Nynaeve, obviously, as alluded to in our intro. Um, we obviously saw that when we looked at the chapter names last time. Uh, when we saw Mashiara, we sort of put two and two together and came up with what was obviously going to happen here. Um, but also some other pretty awesome bits leading up to the main event for the episode. So let's take care of some housekeeping so we can get into it. First cab off the ranks, callbacks. Okay, there's quite a few here. So... Let's go. 
First off, was Galena on the Black Archer's Supreme Council? Yes, second in charge after Alviaren. Well done, Galena. We said in the last episode that Rianne Corley looks young, um, but it's not quite that simple because from the fandom wiki, the following. Rianne had a motherly appearance with grey hair, blue eyes and wrinkle lines from smiles. She had a high soprano voice. She appears in her mid-40s. She does not appear old, but like someone who had not led an easy life. This may explain her greying relatively early for a channeler of her strength. Um, so I remembered her having grey hair. So when Vili said she was quite young looking, I thought, wait, was she? And she is this weird mix, right? She is young looking, especially considering how old she is, which is hundreds of years old. Um, but she looks like someone in her 40s. And Elaine actually says that. She's like, when later, we'll, we'll get to it later, but when Elaine is talking about that accepted who had a sister that came and visited her and the sister was so old, she must have been in her 40s. I laughed out loud yeah. because to Elaine... Someone in her 40s seems old, and yeah. as a person in their 40s right now, I take umbrage to that, <laughs> but at least I can laugh about it. <laughs> I keep forgetting that I, we're in our 40s, like, I don't feel 40. What is no. this nonsense? 40 is old. You had a look in a mirror, Moritz. Like, you are gray. You have a gray beard. You're a wizard. <laughs> I do. I do. You look like Santa Claus. <laughs> I look a 80. <laughs> The years have not been kind. Um, okay, let's get into our most debated topic from the last episode, the attempted abduction, right? We were spending a lot of time thinking about like who could have done it. So I went and I, I jotted down some highlights for us to consider. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I don't have a, a solid conclusion, yet, as is my, of course. my way. But okay, listen to this. So at the start of the chapter in question, Rianne thinks at the start of that chapter, quote unquote, precautions would need to be taken, safeguards carried out that had not been used in years. And when I read that this time, I was like, ah, oh, but that could probably just mean like she says to the other kinswoman, like we all need to go out to the farm. But as Rianne, Berowin and Garenia are discussing the girls and Satal Anan, another kinswoman arrives with the news of the dead wise woman, you know, the, the one that, um, mm. that was killed by Ispen and um, oh, the other one. The other Thalion, that's it. Mm. Um, but Sumiko says to them that, okay, so this wise, this wise woman was killed with the one power. Now, listen to this response. That is impossible, Berowin burst out. No kinswoman would do such a thing. An Aes Sedai, Garenia said, hesitant for once. But how? The three oaths. Sumiko must be wrong. Rianne raised a hand for silence. Sumiko was never wrong, not in this area. She would have been yellow Arja had she not broken down completely while testing for the shawl. And although it was forbidden, despite countless penances, she worked to learn more whenever she thought no one was watching. No Aes Sedai could have done this, obviously, and no kinswoman would have. But, dot, 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 those girls, so insistent, knowing what they should not. The circle had lasted too long, offered support to too many women to be destroyed now. This is what must be done, she told them. That flutter of fear began again. But for once, she hardly noticed. And that's where it stops. Ooh. So, like, they think at this point in time that maybe it was the girls that killed the wise woman. So, mm. that's pretty sinister. So then, the section with the girls um, does start immediately outside the kin's house. It literally starts with Nynaeve walked away from the small house in an outrage. 
But soon after that, Robert Jordan describes how they walk for ages across bridges, stopping to ask for directions half a dozen times, the crowd's getting thicker, etc. So there is definitely time for them um, or time to rouse some staff or hirelings to send them after the girls in a carriage and catch up to them. So the time scales could work. So now we've got the kin targeting, like, you know, blaming the girls for the death of a kinswoman. And there is certainly time for them to act. That's about as much as I have in terms of like laying blame at the kinswoman. Mm. But keep that in mind. And then Vili, um, Elaine is knocked out cold. So after something grazes Nynaeve's head with enough force to stun her somewhat and feel like what she thought was a strike from Elaine, she looks down to see Elaine, quote, in a heap, eyes closed with a purple lump on her temple. So a blunt arrow that causes a lump on Elaine's temple and KOs her could not have also hit Nynaeve with the kind of force in the back of Nynaeve's head. You know, like to sort of also stun Nynaeve. If it grazed Elaine, sure, but it didn't. It connected quite effectively. So to me, it's definitely a two-arrow attack, probably simultaneously. Nynaeve also sees an arrow on the ground later with a blunt stone head. And in her thoughts, she thinks either the one that grazed her or the one that struck Elaine. So even Nynaeve assumes that there are two arrows that that came. Um, Then a long-nosed woman and a man with an oily grin offered to take them away in that carriage. Um, Mm -hmm. They at least are definitely working together. Then there's another woman in the carriage who looks sort of nervous. Um, and then a crowd gathers around them and a scrawny fellow reaches for Nynaeve's purse, which is what pushes her to channel. So really, you were right on that one. This is just an opportunistic thief, right? Like they're not trying to kidnap her or anything. They are literally reaching for her purse. If it was part of the kidnapping, they could have taken the purse off her in the carriage or something like that. Um, so he wouldn't have picked that moment to go for a purse if he was part of the kidnapping. Then when Elaine wakes up and figures out what happened, she asks if it could have been Teslin and Jolene, but Nynaeve dismisses it. And then they both speculate Rianne, and that makes Elaine mad. So they both in that moment think, could it be the kin that tried to do this? But if anything, like if I have to meta-analyze this, to me that actually lets the kin off the hook, right? Because that's sort of too easy like for, for Elaine to offer to us who, who could have done it. So in conclusion, I, I can't eliminate the kin as the attempted kidnappers. But what we also know is that Caridon and Millie Skane, and therefore all the dark friends in town know that they're there. They're already trying to kidnap Matt. So kidnapping as a theme is already happening. Um, and finally, in a chapter that we actually ca- covered in this episode, Caridon addresses Elaine directly in a letter sent to the Tarrison Palace. So he knows that it is specifically Elaine, not just some Aes Sedai that is in mm. the city. And he's offering to escort her. So he could also definitely want to kidnap her for white cloak or dark friend reasons, right? Because he knows Morgais is in the Fortress of the Light. So Caradin has multiple motives to kidnap specifically Elaine and probably Nynaeve as well. So that really so what you're telling open- us is that you've confused the issue way more than it needs to be. <laughs> no, well, I can see a compelling case for both dark yes. friends. And actually the kin as well. I think by the end of our conversation last time, I thought, no, it can't be the kin. But upon reading that chapter and all those points again, it very much could be. It does look like a lot of evidence is pointing towards the kin. Now that you've actually gone back and read it for like a fifth time (laughs) and broken it all down and analyzed it. It does seem like Robert Jordan was leaving some crumbs there or deliberately misleading us. Red heron, right? Like. Yeah, it does. It doesn't seem like something that the the kin would do. But we got to remember so that we're thinking about the kin uh, as people who have read the whole series, not as mm-hmm, a, exactly. someone who's just been introduced to them. 
Mm. So if we had just been introduced, they would be very likely suspects. We don't know what their motives are and what they're capable of. Yeah, but what, mm-hmm. to so, what end? Hmm. What, what do they do with them? Okay, they, they knock them they out think they're and possibly kidnap murderers. them out of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're a that's because that's what, that's what they really want. They want them to Kidnap leave. them, shield them, put them on that farm, send them back to the tower. Yeah, any of those. Or it could be Darth Anything Vader. but kill another kinswoman, right? Like if they think that they could be responsible for the death of the wise wise woman, they can't just yeah. trust that they'll leave. You know, mm. Rianne here says something needs to be done. But it all it all feels very red herony, right? Like um mm. if, if if it leads because it does, it leads directly from the one conversation into this. So who knows? If any of our listeners have theories, let us know. I was hoping some listeners would have theories for today about this. I, I <laughs> Not on that I was one. listening to the recording this week, or the last one, uh-huh. or the last episode, and I had some some thoughts about this. I'm glad you brought it up. But now that my thoughts are relevant, because now my suspicions <laughs> lie back on the kin. <laughs> like, I think they could have, they could very well have done this. And that's probably purposefully done, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's RJ just messing with us. Um, I quite cavalierly said, doesn't Berwin, who's really good at shields, also shield one of the Forsaken at some point? She doesn't. I couldn't find evidence of that. Maybe she does in the text, but I couldn't find any like internet Missed commentary opportunity. on it. <laughs> I know. Um, then we asked, who else other than Moradin would have been granted access to the true power? So it is very inconclusive. So I'll tell you a couple of things that we do know about the true power. Now, after going and reading some stuff about it. In the Age of Legends, the true power was discovered before the Dark One was freed. So Bedomon and Mirren were experimenting with the true power when they caused the explosion that explosion that opened the bore and destroyed the Sharon. So the true power was already known and um, people were accessing it because they were using it for things. But when Morgidian says only 29 people have been granted access to it, it correlates roughly with the number of chosen during the War of Power, as we mentioned in the previous episode. And then later in the series, Mogedian, Grandel, and Demondred all use it. But even the Forsaken very rarely use it, and when they do, it's in very small quantities, except for Moradin, who seems to use it almost exclusively and without any restraint. And then we spoke briefly about whether Ishamal was using it, and that might have been sort of, you know, part of why he looked the way he did. Um, so what I read was that Balzamon's deformities like flaming eyes and mouth, which are not limited to dreams, by the way, are thought to be because of the overuse of the true power. Also, his black aura in the early books. So often when you, I went back and I read um, The Dragon Reborn. Sorry. Um, yeah, it is in The Dragon Reborn where he's in the Stone of Tear. He's surrounded by this black aura. He, he, he speaks to Rand in the waking world. And um, when he appears to Rand there, after Belal is killed, after Moraine, Bale fires Belal. There's a shadow up near the top of the columns in the ceiling mm. and these eyes and mouth appear there and speak to Rand. And then um, Balzamon floats down and he's levitating two spans above the ground. And this is sort of known like it's a weave that you can do only with the true power. You can't fly with the one power, but with the true yeah. power, you actually can. So um, that actually, you know, it, it weakens my case for the Dark Friend Social happening in a dream shard. Because I always thought it must have been a dream shot for Baalzamon, who also levitates in that scene above mm. the Madral that walk into the room. But with the true power, he can levitate. Um, but yeah, like it, it seems like um, Ishamael, even before being resurrected as Moradin, was just using the true power left, right, and center. Even back when he appeared to lose Theron in Dragonmount. Yeah. Um, 
more gases, torture and rape. We were thinking, we were talking about like, did it happen just once? Was it only for a short time? Like it was a bit unclear about how that all went. So I went and I did some reading about it both in the book and, and online. And it, it, like I said in the last episode, she did spend one, quote unquote, one endless hour with Asunawa. And then what seemed to happen was Valda offered to spare her from further torture if she slept with him, which she agreed to. And that's part of what hurts her so much. She actually says yes. So when I read that chapter last time, I was confused about like what her answer was. What was the thing that Valda asked her? And now after reading it again and reading about it, it seems pretty clear that she was being tortured, but she didn't want to be tortured anymore. And she said yes to Valda. Now, what is not clear is whether that happened repeatedly or only once. And what I'm sort of inferring from the thought process she's going through, she starts that chapter when she's thinking about it. She's thinking about that one endless hour with Asanawa. I think it only happened the one time. And soon after that, Asanawa and Valda took the, the rest of the children and went off to go deal with the prophet. That's mm. that's my interpretation, but it's never stated um, explicitly. Okay, then on to cheerier things in listener contributions. We've got quite a lot. Um, some of them from <laughs> one person with a lot of thoughts. So first person with a lot of thoughts is Jacob. Uh, and let's get stuck in. When Catswain mentions the other men hearing voices and how that is common, does that mean they're hearing their past lives? Yes, Rand and Luce Theron are one, but are all the other men also hearing the same people? Good question. Possibly, but not exclusively. I think it is madness. So hearing yes. multiple voices. Hearing voices be could be just any voice, right? Like figments of their own imagination. Like we've already established with Rand, he's not actually hearing Luce Theron speaking from the past. It is a figment yeah. of his own imagination that is encapsulating the memories of blah, blah, blah. Won't get into that topic again. Then Jacob says, we mentioned that Cadswain might be uh, pissed at Alana for bonding Rand, but we see multiple women can bond the same man. So she could still technically bond Rand, Cadswain. Um, mm. Granted, Rand would definitely throw her out the window if she tried this in his current <laughs> mental state. Um, totally. But that might be a plus. <laughs> uh, but that does go against custom, right? Like um, Elaine, Min, and Avienda all bonding Rand is not what any of the other Aes Sedai do. Like, that is, I don't think um, Cad Swain would break Aes Sedai custom to also be bonded to Rand like Alana is. But I mean, that's a big assumption on my part. When Marden travels with the true power, is that the only time we see it? We get a description about how it's different and it's described as to his ears, the world screamed as he used the true power to rip a small hole and step outside the pattern. It's so incredibly cool sounding. Agreed, but we do see Ishamal do it in Dragon Mount, like we said before, and um, also again in the Stone of Tear at the end of the Dragon Report. Um, and Jacob says, thinking about Kalandor in the last battle, do you think Rand planned to use it as a trap for Moradin? He seemed to have some sort of plan that he didn't want to tell Moraine that was more than just his plan to kill the Dark One. I can't remember that kind of detail from the last <laughs> book. That's the one. That's one of the like the last three books I've only read once. Um, yeah. And I can't remember, so I'm going to have to raffo. Um, Jacob asks, how did they make a Sa'angril for the true power? Which is what Kalandor is. <laughs> yes. Why are you asking us? <laughs> are you just asking the ether? <laughs> well, he's, he knows that we'll, well, yes, it's we, I will go and then read and try and find an answer for it and then record mm. it in an episode, which I did. So in uh, Kalandor's sort of just wiki entry on the fandom page, it's... Um, 
It was made during the War of Power by male and female Aes Sedai working together. So male and female Aes Sedai during the War of Power, after the Dark One had been freed, made this Sangreal. Because the War of Power only mm-hmm. started after the war was opened, right? When people yeah. started becoming corrupted and evil entered the land and war became a thing again. Um, also, it's in the shape of a sword, mm-hmm. which is also, you know, war and sword fighting and stuff. Yeah. Also, and it came about later, unless the Theron and Demondred sort of like the, the sport swordsmanship. Yes. Remember, they, they sort of find yeah. out that if that happened before then, okay, then that's, I'll let them off the hook for that one. But it's it's used as a reason. The fact that male and um, female Aes Sedai made it and used it together is a way of um, explaining why it w- would have this flaw. It was always assumed that it would be used in a circle together, in which case it is um, it is safe. It doesn't have a mm. buffer. Like Sa'angril usually have a like a limit as to how much power it can draw so that the user doesn't mm. burn themselves out. But Kalandor doesn't have that. And it is a... Um, it's only safe to use for a man if a woman is leading the circle in which it is being employed. If a man uses it by himself, like we said in the last episode, they can be pulled into a circle unwillingly mm. by by female channelers. Uh, but if Rand is just using it by himself, A, it amplifies the madness from the taint and it doesn't have a buffer. So you can draw too much power through it and burn yourself out quite easily. So it is this really complex, weird tool that is quite obviously meant to be used in conjunction between male and female channelers. How male and female channelers would have access to the true power for which they would need a Sa'angriel after the Dark One has been freed, who only gives permission to the Chosen to use it. You know, like, how are these male and female channelers getting permission to use the true power? Don't know. Um, Haven't found any detail on that. So if there are any, like, Wheel of Time lore nerds out there that can shed some light on that, riddle me this. Um, how are all these women okay with Oliver mooning over him, over them? He's a young child, and he isn't subtle about eyeing women. Um, he's young. It's where they are. They probably, yeah, probably think he's innocent. Yeah, no, this, they know he's hanging out with the red arms and he's picking up all this shit, but he doesn't realize the the truth behind <laughs> it. Doesn't he? Say <laughs> <laughs> Tharabanis. They're an Ibudar, so it's Ibudari mm-hmm. woman. They're just different. I mean, so that's true. I mean, it's it's usually the Domani, I think, that are um, portrayed as the sort of um, more sexually progressive. But I guess the Ibudari also have the ovals cut in all their dresses, exposing their mm-hmm. bosom and their marriage knives. So maybe they just used to look dudes looking at their boobs and don't think anything <laughs> of it. Yep. Um, then we have some contributions from a new listener and collaborator, Will, who writes in with the following observation. Um, he says that I made a comment about how Nynaeve mentions that madness can't be cured, although we know that later on she will discover how to heal the madness from channeling. However, she does seem to be talking about how there is nothing she can do about Rand's madness specifically, which is interesting because she later does try and fail to heal Rand. So it's still true that there is nothing she can do about Rand's madness, specifically. It's the kind of pedantry that's going to take you a long way on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Yes, welcome, Will, and thank you. Uh, Another one from from Will is, uh, for some reason, her failure to heal Rand's madness really stood out to me. 
I just remember having such a sense of relief when she discovered the ability to heal madness. That just made finding that Rand's issues were too complex to heal so much more heavy. That is true, but what she also sees there is a light surrounding the the thorns and when she talks about the madness mm. as being these thorns so there's almost this like this force this almost manifestation of the creator that is actually shielding rand from the madness actually having an effect on him then longtime collaborator gerald sends in the following thoughts can wilders see isodai channeling we think about Nynaeve before she went to the white tower or started training with moraine whilst on the road in the eye of the world she had already channeled because she cured some people like Egwene of breakbone fever and whatever. So can Wilders, who have not had any tower training, see other channelers' weaves? Can they see the glow around a channeler? I would always assume yes. I think it's just something that comes with channeling. You don't need to be taught that. The answer is yes. According to the yeah. Wheel of Time Companion and write-ups about Sidin and Sidar, yes. Mm. Um, when Birgitta was talking about Beslin and um, had something odd in her tone, uh, Gerald thinks she was more in awe when she said, not even nine feather dancers and a shipload of Brandley could corrupt him. Well, in the next couple chapters that we cover, there's actually a scene in which Matt notices that Birgitta is sort of preening under Beslin's uh, gaze and sort of is reacting in a weird way. And Matt even notes that Beslin is way too attractive for Birgitta <laughs> to be interested in. So this is weird. Yeah. So I think Birgitta has a weird sort of oddball interest in Beslin. Maybe just because of his drinking ability. Probably. Um, this one is a little bit more offbeat. Uh, Gerald says that the quote-unquote books that are included in the packages you get from Ikea are just suggestions on how the item should be assembled. <laughs> says he did stay in a place in London where the floor wasn't very level, so he, his uh, dressing table and wardrobe did have that strap holding them to the wall. So it wasn't for <laughs> safety of children climbing on them. It was because the floor was that uneven. Um, then he asks about the... Ashaman and Aesidai training, in my head, says Gerald, the Ashaman were told to use the power as much as possible, doing all their tasks with it, because Taim, being the dark friend that he is, would have wanted as many of them as possible to go insane. Which could be true if Taim wanted them to be killed, because what they did at the Black Tower is when men went crazy, they killed them. They killed one in ten men. One in ten Ashaman went mad and was murdered. Shazer. Yeah, they were quite literally decimated. Then he also says the time that Elaine gets it on with Rand and Birgitta needs to go out and Birgitta needs to go out drinking. Wouldn't that mean that Elaine would be feeling the effects of the alcohol again? Drunk sex. <laughs> <laughs> Must be. Indeed. And Kerry also uh, sent me a voice note to correct me on something that I said. I've said that when after all three women had bonded Rand, and they go away and Rand said to Elaine, well, you know, I've slept with the other two. We haven't mm. slept together yet, so we should. Kerry corrected me. It's Elaine that says to Rand, hang on, you've slept with them. You haven't <laughs> slept with me. It's Elaine that actually pushes the issue. So Rand isn't quite the, the horny goat that he thinks he is and that I made him out to be. Uh, and then back to Gerald. Uh, he says, I think you should have one episode of your podcast where Vili gets to decide how the names are pronounced. Ejiani, Susan Sarandon, <laughs> Sangria Footstool, etc. Was there a Kylie or a Janet? Let Vili loose. I think we do. I think we've actually adopted a number of Vili's <laughs> pronunciations. They've become our own canon. It's 100% Susan Sarandon. I don't even know who we're talking <laughs> about. Edg like, what Edg is her Annie. real name? Ejiani. <laughs> Sangria footstool is going to have to stay, but I don't think she features much in the in the book, so we're not going to get too much opportunity to use it. No. Mohdin. 
<laughs> that stuck. Yeah. Okay, and then Gerald did us the great favor of leaving us a voice message, which goes a little something like this. Hey team, this is Gerald here from New Zealand. Um, I'm just listening to episode 50 and wanted to weigh in in the aftermath of uh, Ravan dying by balefire. So I think Matt loses his connection to the horn because he dies and the horn sees that he died, so releases itself from him. When he's reborn, or whatever, after Ravan is bailfiled, that only replaces Matt. It doesn't affect the horn because the horn is just carrying on through its journey in time. For Asmodian, when Ravan gets the hot white light of justice, Asmodian's thread rolls back and then continues from before he died. So he is reborn, or whatever, to the same state he was before, which includes him having the shield on him. So that stays... But Matt doesn't have the horn imprint on him. It is Matt that is imprinted on the horn. So that link is gone because Matt dies and the horn sees that. Then Matt goes back to what he was like. But the rest of the world, including the horn, doesn't also go back to the previous state. Just Matt does. So there you go. That's my theory. Matt isn't the horn blower because the horn sees and died. Asmodian still has the shield on him because he's going back to his previous state. All done with 10 seconds to go. So that's a decent way of answering our question about why Asmodian shield is active again, but Matt is severed from the horn. Uh, but more interestingly to me, Asmodian is no longer protected from aging and stuff by the Dark One after being reinstated post the bale firing. So it's weirdly selective. Remember, Asmodian had the shield that Lanfear had put mm. on him so that he will channel only a little bit and he can help Rand. But he also mentions that he can feel time tugging at him like he is no longer the immortal forsaken that he was before. All the protection from the Dark One is gone. So like even in that one person, there is two different scenarios. Like some stuff is gone and some stuff is still there. So I don't think we've quite cracked the case of uh, exactly how that works. Uh, I don't know. Were you talking about the uh, the... The horn being the external force, and that's why it's gone. Whereas the dark one mm. is the external force, and that's why it's gone for him. I guess, yes. Whereas the shield was on his The person. shield was tied off. Yeah, no, that's right. Mm. So, all the external forces are cut. Everything that was on you before that was personal to you is still there. According huh. to this theory. Okay, well, I take that back. That reinforces Gerald's theory. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald, you're right. Well done, Gerald. <laughs> okay, that's it for callbacks. So only one more piece of housekeeping before we can get stuck in, and that is previously on Blood and Ashes. Satal Anand marches Elaine and Naini from the Wandering Woman across the city to a nondescript building beside a weaver where she hands them over to the kin. The more they try to explain that they are Aes Sedai, the more the kin shut them down. The women of the kin quiz them on aspects of being novices and accepted in the White Tower and eventually decide that at least Elaine spent some time there. When the girls refuse to say they are impersonating Aes Sedai, the kin put them out and send them on their way, giving them a day to leave the city before being dealt with. On their walk back to the Tarazan Palace, the girls are attacked and almost abducted, but Nynaeve manages to channel and scare off the assailants. They make peace with the fact that they will need to work with Matt and find the Bowl of the Winds. Meanwhile, the kin receive news that one of the wise women was killed using the One Power. Mogidian is stuck in a recurring nightmare where she is forced to relive her harrowing experience of being freed by Halima, arriving at Shal Ghul, being manhandled by Shaida Haran and having her soul linked to a mind trap. When she's woken from the recurring nightmare, Shaida Haran brings her to Moradin, who it seems is in possession of her mind trap and therefore her owner. She also notes he has used the true power a lot. 
In Abadissia, Morgase is struggling to cope with her treatment at the hands of Rada Masanawa and Eamon Valder, who have both left her in the Fortress of the Light with her retinue, while they go to attempt to deal with the Prophet and his army of Dragonsworn. In their absence, the Sean Chan attack and take control of the Fortress of the Light. Morgase is summoned by High Lady Suroth, who tries to manipulate Morgase into swearing fealty to the Empress, and the Sean Chan by parading her captured Aes Sedai, Damane, and enslaved Panarch of Tanchiko Amathera. Morgase doesn't fall for it and returns to her rooms to consider her next course of action. After briefly considering killing herself, Morgase quietly renounces her throne, clearing the way for Elaine to become Queen of Andor. Well, while Morgase's team of loyal followers are thinking about their next course of action, Seven Balwer arrives with a simple plan for them to escape. They will simply walk out the door and lie about swearing fealty to the Sean Chan, which they do. Morgase can hardly believe it, but they ride out the front gate and set off for Gildan. Finally, we switch to Perrin, who is leaving Kyrian after a massive blowout with Rand about the captured Aes Sedai. The fight was staged to throw off the scent of any plan, but when Perrin arrives at his predestined meeting point, he's greeted by Fa'il, the Chafa'il, Gaul, Bane, Chayad, the two rivers men, two Ashaman, Aes Sedai, Wise Ones, Berylane, and some winged guards, all ready to head to Gildan to meet with the Prophet on behalf of Rand. On his way out, he runs into Loyal, who's traveling with an Ashaman to seal off the way gates they can find. Perrin's Ashaman makes a gateway, and the whole army steps out in Gildan. Here they need to meet with Aleandre the Queen, convince her they are not an invading force and seek out the Prophet. Perrin makes the call to address everyone assembled and tells them why they are there while Fa'il and Berylane are shooting daggers at each other. That brings us to chapter 28 called Bread and Cheese. Chapter summaries are your bread and butter, Joe, so why don't you start us off? Well, thank you very much. And just to clarify, they were shooting. They were shooting non-literal daggers at each other. <laughs> it's actually yeah, because it's two, very likely <laughs> that it could have been real daggers. Yes. All right. Yes. Chapter twenty-eight: Bread and Cheese. So we're with Matt after he has um, made the decision to move to the Terrazin Palace, and he is already regretting that move. Uh, Nerim, on the other hand, is overjoyed. <laughs> He's like, finally, some culture. We get out of this shithole. Nalesian, as well, is very happy about this move because now he can gamble with rich people for a change. And he doesn't have to do dice. He can play cards like a true noble. Um, and Vannon <laughs> is also keen because he's going to go uh, see his queen again, his favorite Elaine. And uh, Matt thinks she's ruined a good man because <laughs> he was good before that. <laughs> now he's shit. So uh, Matt's like, fine, fuck, we got to go. They get ready to leave and do all the things. He goes to settle the bill. Mistress Anan is not there because she was obviously still out with Nynaeve and, and Elaine. She's still prancing around the city. But Kiara is there, the cook. She's happy to take his money and she admonishes him. She gives him some shit for squeezing too many melons. Matt plays along, has no idea what she's talking about, though. She says, that's not going to happen again. He's like, and she's telling him not a word. And he's like, yep, sure, not a word but still oblivious to what's going on. Something for him about uh, the serving girls, because that serving girl that gave him the, the evil eye last time is rubbing her butt, so she may have got a spanking. I assumed it was a spanking. This is Robert Jordan's world, after all. Mm -hmm. um, so I know what's going on, sort of, but Matt is oblivious. However, so they pack up. Every, there's a fight about who's master between old uh, uh, Nerim and who's the other guy. <sighs> forget his name the other serving man the lesbian serving man lopen <laughs> about whose master gets to move out first and then the, the red arms are fighting about who has to who gets to carry the the big chest of gold first and a bunch of shit eventually they're out and they're in the terrace and palace and matt's actually quite impressed with his rooms which is more like apartments probably bigger than my entire house 
mm-hmm. and uh Nerim is also very stoked with what he's got which is basically harry potter under the stairs i thought it's like that kind of room but he thinks it's <laughs> fucking amazing he's loving it um and there's even a clock yeah because in this universe clocks are super rare so there's a clock in his room he's very happy about that that matters of course um Tylen, so while they're even looking around, Tylen's already snuck into the room because Matt turns around and she's right up in his face. Like, how did you even get inside? There was no knocking, nothing. She just slunk in. Uh, Matt's trying to excuse himself from her, like telling her that he's got things to do, the red arms waiting for him, blah, 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 blah. But she sidles up to him, backing him up around the room, laughing nervously. She's walking forward. He's walking backwards, uh, eventually backing him into a chair uh, where he plumps down and she sits on his lap. Um, she's very aggressive, mm-hmm. as we all know. Um, Matt is saved by a knock at the door. It's Tom and Julian. <laughs> He's so stoked to see them. Come in, guys. It's been such a while. Come in, come in. Tylen is, you know, before the door even opens, she's jumped up and she's like six foot away from him, looking all queenly as if nothing has happened. But <laughs> Matt is looking, <laughs> you know, dogged and uh, attacked. His shirt is undone. Even his pants have been undone. His breeches have been <laughs> undone in this canoodling that he didn't even realize had happened. So standing up to greet his uh, friends is a no-no because his pants would fall down. Tylen excuses herself and the two visitors kind of give him a knowing look, especially Tom. Tom knows <laughs> what it would look like when some commoners fucking around with the queen. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I've been there, done that. So he gives him a little knowing look and, you know, Matt's just like, shut up, we'll move on from this. They there anyway <laughs> to tell him that Nynaeve and Elaine have not yet returned. Matt thinks that obviously they've already broken their promise to him and they've gone off to go and spy on Carradine or arrest him or God knows what they've done. But Tom is like, nah, I, I think that's pretty chill. You don't have to worry about that. Av- Avienda and Brigitte on Carradine duty at the moment. They're watching him. And even if Nynaeve and Elaine had been watching Carradine, um, he wouldn't have even noticed them due to their disguises made by the One Power. And Matt's like, disguises made with the One Power? This is news to him. It's a realization. And he realizes then, like, that's how they've been sneaking away from me all this mm-hmm. time. So, dun, 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 reveal. Uh, Matt, I think he's the, lo- the last person to learn about these disguises, actually. So, anyway, they leave. Matt uh, fixes his pants and then goes to check on Olva, who, Moritz, as you mentioned, is on the bed with three serving women in his room. Hazel with her big eyes and the very, very <laughs> sweet Alice and Lawyer. And Matt thinks to himself, these red arms are keep such a bad influence again. Like, yeah, Matt, <laughs> sure, the red arms. He's learned that from them. Um, so he heads off to the kitchens. That's uh, Matt uh, for some hangover food. Because remember, he was, uh, he's still mm-hmm. hungover from the night before. Nynaeve and Elaine still not have returned. Or uh, I don't know if those words are in the correct order, but you could get what I'm saying. <laughs> <We get it. laughs> you know what I mean. And uh, Matt even does some reading because he's waiting. Basically, he spends the whole day waiting for Nynaeve and Elaine to come back. Let me just give you a heads up for this entire chapter is nothing happens this chapter <laughs> nope. absolutely nothing nothing is achieved so um yeah he gets to read some he gets to walk around he gets to look he goes sees the gardens he has some food finally the ladies return and matt puts on his best dad impression i thought where have you been i've been worried sick blah 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 <laughs> you're breaking your mother's heart so they say with uh they say they had some tea with Mistress Anand's friends and they talked about needlework. 
And Matt's not buying this at all. I think he thinks to himself, like, maybe, you know, Nynaeve knows what end of a needle to stick into the material. <laughs> but she would rather stick that needle in her eye before talking about needlework. Like, this is, <laughs> this is bullshit. But he's not going to probe it. But he tells them anyway. From now on, you will have two bodyguards at all times. If you're not in my under my eyes and you're out there somewhere, you'll have two bodyguards at all times, 24 hours, seven days a week. And they are cool with it, surprisingly. Even complimenting him. On such a good idea, Matt. That's a brilliant idea, Matt. Even naive. Tom <laughs> has been playing with one of his knives in the background, sitting down while this is happening. And he actually fumbles and drops his knife at the shock from, from the reaction from these two girls. And then, you know, Tom doesn't drop knives. <sighs> uh, so now that's made Matt even more nervous. This is, this is bullshit. Something is afoot. He's not, he's not uh, dealing with this very well. So Matt now finds himself... Uh, outside the rows of the Eldar, drinking wine from cups that have been chained to the wall. At least they wash the cups between servings, he thinks to himself. He is in this inn because this is in front of the kin's headquarters. Nynaeve and Elaine had told him to forget about the Rahad for a time um, and watch that house and use his Tavirinness to find the Bowl of the Winds because this is the new spot that they've got to be. Mm-hmm. Nalesian, they're at this specific spot because this is the only inn that you can sit outside. But anyway, Nalesian is there too, uh, with him drinking what they consider wine in this part of town. Uh, Tom and Julian are there too. Julian is drinking that lemon drink, <laughs> Moritz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Matt is on the tea because his stomach is still not ready for anything hard. Um, and Tom is there too. And he is already wondering about the connection between the bowl and this knitting circle. You can see he's already, his, his keen mind has not gone anywhere. And he's like, why? Mm-hmm. What is afoot here? Um, so like I said, they learn nothing. Absolutely nothing happens. They just, we, we are introduced to a new area of town and a place where you could sit outside and drink terrible wine through, you know, using cups that are chained to walls. But anyway, the day ends. They're back at the palace. Uh, when Matt gets back to his room, a letter is slipped under his door. It's from Tylen. Uh, she's inviting him to dinner. But instead of going, he locks himself in the room without dinner. He's terrified of her. Um, <laughs> not that he can sleep now. Because now he's locked in the room, worrying about her, and also he's hungry. So he doesn't sleep the whole night. He's kind of just fucked himself. Um, The next morning, he meets with Nynaeve and Elaine, who have already heard about him standing up the queen at dinner. And they're like, listen, you can't do that. She is the queen. You've got to behave yourself. You know, you've got to be on your best behavior. And he's like, me on my best behavior. (laughs) But, of course, he doesn't tell them about the, the queen's advances unwanted as they may be um he tells them about the failure yesterday sitting in front of that inn for no reason whatsoever but they ask him listen just give it a few extra days something's going to come about it just use your tefir in this although he doesn't know what that means or how to do it at all but anyway off he goes back again um they do admit to spying the girls that is on or planning on spying on caridon but they accept the bodyguards and he insists they show him these disguises and also show the disguises to the bodyguards so that they know if they do change, uh, change their faces, who to follow. Um, Vannon comes back. He's got some reports. He was sent spying on Caradin. Um, basically, lots of visitors coming in and out all day. Plenty of beggars in the streets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So lots of people watching the house. And there was a spry old man whose face he could not get a clear look at, even though he was there several times, because this old man is sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there he is again. 
Matt spends another two days in front of this tavern, watching this house. Um, by this point, Brigitte has joined them as well on the second day. She, and no one else for that matter, had seen him leave the palace. They'd all been waiting for him. They got there later to the meeting place because nobody saw him leave because he's been sneaking out of side entrances trying to avoid <laughs> Tylen. So he's actually quite good at it. Tylen never saw him. Nobody saw him. So Matt is like realizing at this point that he's really enjoying Brigitte's company. And he actually starts considering her a friend. But not a friend like Egwene's a friend or Nynaeve's sort of a friend. Uh, but like actually like another one of the boys. Because she doesn't give mm-hmm. him shit about staring at, at, at ladies' bottoms or whatever. She, yeah. just carries, she just goes along with him like just one of the dudes. So he's, he's, he's never met a woman like this before. Plus, she's a hero of the bloody horn and all of that from the age of from the legends and things like that. So it's, it's quite an experience for him. Um, the girls as well didn't find anything (laughs) this whole chapter is like a thousand words of not anybody doing anything uh nor did tom and julian they have not discovered anything either so everybody's out doing things and achieving nothing Mm -hmm. gets back to his room on the on the night of the second day um he sees a serving man that he had bribed on day one when he first snuck out to move Olver into his apartments. So when he gets back, he sees the serving man. He had given him some gold and Olver has been moved into his apartments. And he's like, ha that'll stop Tyler. Like she won't come in here with the little boy around and do what she's been doing to me. Mm-hmm. But Tylen has also been busy. So he, when he goes down to the, uh, the kitchens to go and get some food for himself, he finds that nothing is available to him. I mean, there's plenty of stuff available, just mm-hmm. not to him. And all the staff are laughing and giggling and looking at him. And everybody in the palace knows exactly what's going on. And he's like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? These people are weird. So he gives up. Uh, and upon returning to his rooms, he finds a note under his door from Tylen. Basically, she's still on the hunt. She will have, uh, what does she call him? I want to say I'll pigeon. have you for <laughs> dinner, my little rabbit or something. <laughs> yes, my little rabbit. That's it. She's on the hunt for some rabbit. <laughs> so uh, like a, she's on the, for a brace of conies. The next day, he buys food on the way home because now he's planning ahead. He knows that when he gets home, there's not going to be any food. So he buys some stuff on the way home. He still tries to get some goat's milk or something from the kitchens, but that's denied. So he has to eat his food uh, without any liquid refreshments. Um, but eventually, it seems that uh, Thailand gives up on him. There's no rattling on the locks that night. Nobody's knocking on his door. But again, on the waking up on the third day, he hears the rice, the rice. I keep saying that the dice rolling in his head, not the rice doling in his head again, <laughs> because we realize that the, when he makes that decision in the, in the end before moving to the palace, the dice stop and here the dice have started up again. And again, like before, he has no idea why any of this is happening. And that's how the chapter ends. Nothing happened. <laughs> the rice did rattle in the cup. Rice doled in his head. That's about. Rice doth doled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right, Joe. Whole lot of nothing. Is it mostly focus on Thailand's advances on Matt? Apparently. Like days and days and days of manipulation. I think just also the movement of them into the palace and yeah. the, the new routine is set. And the plan, like a, right? Like, like staking like, out yeah. the kin. Yeah. 
Like it's not yeah. it's not a like character work <laughs> in this. Yeah, there's, in this there's, not, there's, not, there's not a hell of a lot of scene building. There's not a lot of world building. No. There's just, just people chatting. No real action. Yeah, it's really it's it's really <laughs> weird and disturbing. This whole Thailand thing. I was thinking about it. Like if the roles were reversed, if there was a king and Matt was a woman, how extremely inappropriate this would be. But because it's a woman queen with using her power to sexually mm-hmm. manipulate a man, like I know that I've I've read before in in like people's comments in the fandom about how how inappropriate this is. This is sexual harassment. My my biggest note is yes. Yeah, should we have the conversation about consent? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to have a conversation about consent. But just to let people know that we are aware of what's happening here. <laughs> yes, hey, hey Charlie. Get out of my chapter. She hasn't slept with him yet. Not yet, no. Oh, okay. So everything sitting on his lap and undoing his pants against his will. <laughs> That's fine. She was just playing. You're right, though, Joe. Like, what it made me think of is just how, because he is a man, I mean, Matt's quite a tall guy as well. He's, he's mm. not big and bulky or anything, but he's a physically capable young man. And mm-hmm. um, Thailand, as we have read, is diminutive, right? She is actually also particularly small, even for a woman. So Matt thinks to himself in this chapter, he could just pick her up and move yeah. her away, but he doesn't. So <laughs> this is all happening while, at the risk of aging the podcast, this whole like Russell Brand thing is happening, <laughs> like where, you know, like he's being outed as a serial womanizer with like loads of charges of sexual assault and stuff against him now. And I just, in my terrible time in the city in Sydney, like watched the, the documentary where people had come forward. And it was like truly terrifying on behalf of the woman, right? Like what they're mm. describing in this document is like a terrifying scenario where Matt is never physically in danger. Not in this chapter anyway. Like, well, <laughs> we'll get to your chapter where he is, I mean, he is threatened at knife point. So at least up to here, you have to feel like, it's not the same situation as if the roles were reversed. It's it's not the same at all. Matt has every opportunity and it's obviously played for laughs, right? Like RJ is yes. sort of, it's a bit of like, ah, oh, Matt, he has a bit of your own medicine. Even though Matt never forces himself on anyone in the story, right? He no. flirts and stuff and he sort of, he thinks himself as maybe more of a womanizer than he actually really is. But um, yeah, he just, he's never in danger. He never feels threatened physically. So it is absolutely different if the roles are reversed for a woman fearing like unable to physically be in control of her immediate space would be terrifying where Mattia is quote unquote terrified. Like he isn't actually fearing for his life. Uh, uh, <laughs> in this chapter. He is, he is the weaker party. She is the queen using her position of authority. That so is also is true. Weaker yes. In to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we're we're not going to discuss it. I mean, it's it's actually in the fandom, it is a big talking point. There are lots of people that yes. talk about Matt being raped, you know, like sexually mm. assaulted, uh, imprisoned. Uh, did he have Stockholm Syndrome eventually? You know, like, why did he mm. not leave? You know, these are all valid questions in our modern times that are, you know, at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. But the way that mm. it is portrayed here, I think, is for laughs. Like you're supposed yeah. to laugh at like, oh, oh, poor Matt being seduced by an attractive queen, right? Like mm. worse things, worse things have happened. Um, but the, but he is very vocal 
about his desire for it to stop. Like he is asking, he is saying no, he is asking her to stop and stuff. So it is, yeah, it's very not challenging to read, but it certainly makes you think, you know, like, wow, this yeah, is very I mean, uncool by Thailand. I mean, I think we can all mm. agree on that. That is very uncool, but is she just expecting because of her rank that he should just do as she says, in which case she is sexually assaulting him. That is exactly what is happening. She knows she's the yeah. queen. She knows that she has the power. Yeah. And she's using it to get sexual gratification from him, from someone who is 100% unwilling. And Matt is also um, somewhat afraid, like he refers to Beslan as her son, who is fond of poking holes in people, right? So like, <laughs> yes. that's, that's another figurative dagger that is being held at his neck, right? Like he doesn't want to piss yeah. her off because he knows Beslan will just duel him, right? Like he mm-hmm. might get stabbed for it. And that's yeah. what you say, Moritz. That, that is exactly the problem, is that this is being played for laughs. That's the problem with it. Mm. Yeah, because it is a, it's a serious topic. So let's deftly shy away from it now. <laughs> Not <laughs> Moritz dwell edits on it. all of this out. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I think everyone knows where we stand. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. you should not coerce someone into having a sexual relationship. That is a big <laughs> no-no. But like Villiers has said many times, this is also a story in which people are murdered and, you know, <laughs> cheated and stolen from. Like, there's all kinds of wrongs for us to fixate on specifically yeah. this thing and make, oh, the story is so terrible because this woman did this terrible thing. There are hundreds of people in the story that do way worse, right? And we're not fixating yes. on those. But they are not Matt. We love Matt. <laughs> True, <laughs> it's, and it's they are Matt. also not they're also not played for laughs. So I think it's yeah. a it's a it's a it's of its time, right? Like back in the day when RJ was writing these books, like it it was probably more acceptable to just laugh at a man being seduced by a woman. Um, where that is no longer the case. <laughs> Noted and filed away. Never to be discussed again. <laughs> Until the next chapter, that is, when she pulls a knife on him. Um, yes, go, Billy. I was confused about the whole dice rattling thing. because <laughs> That makes four of us. Because, yeah, because Matt, like we said, I think we've said it in the previous chapter as well. When the, when the girls are offering to Matt to move into t- the Tarazan Palace, he says, no, no, th- no thanks. The wandering woman is fine. And that's when the dice stop. Now... He then does move into the palace. So, mm. is it a case of he actually knew he was going to do it anyway? He was just saying that to Elaine and Nynaeve and his internal decision, which might not have fully landed for him yet, is what determines the dice stopping. Like, at that point, it was inevitable that he was going to do it anyway. Or did it stop because he chose not to go and they're rolling again because he did? I, I don't know. Like it, it's not, it seems like a, a missed opportunity to use a clear mechanic to show him mm. moving into the palace is a monumental event. But now there's we confusion ha- around it. We'd have to read further to find out if this, or if someone can just, because I don't remember how this whole stretch of story ends. If mm-hmm. listeners can tell us why the, like, that's what I think as well. Like, the dice stopped rolling because he moved into the palace where he was supposed mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Why is he supposed to be in the palace? What's going to happen there? Why did the dice yeah. tell him to go there? Yeah, Raffo, I guess. Yeah, because if something happens there because he's there, etc., etc., then like, okay, mm-hmm. that's why he was meant to be there. I know there's a couple um, things that happen there. Isn't there at one point, uh, I mean, the golem kills Thailand, right? Stuffs her under a bed or something. She's murdered. 
You remember that? Wow. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, that happens. Okay. And I wonder if that has some kind of effect on the way that the Sean Chan take over, because the Sean Chan also rock up here and take over Ibu Yeah. Mm. Um, but I don't know what Matt's presence in the palace would, would have to do with that. That's happening anyway. We've seen that um, Sean Chan mm. detective already leave town and... Like, what would have happened differently back? in this city, whether or not Matt had been in the palace or in the inn? Like, what difference does it make? Because literally, it that inn, I think, is across the courtyard from the palace. Yes, like, and also it has no effect on finding the bowl of the winds. Right, like, no. Matt's sitting outside the kin and yeah. following that woman, which also happens later, that affects the finding of the bowl of the winds because Matt finds it via, he follows that woman to a dusty storeroom yeah. and he, he reckons it's in there. So, yeah, don't know. Pin in it. Um, what else? <clears throat> I had a chuckle at Nalesian, whose prejudices are still alive and well. He's like, oh, I don't know about moving into the palace because of the Aes Sedai. You know, typical Terran doesn't want anything to do with mm-hmm. Aes Sedai. But then again, the Terrasin Palace, Matt, even my hatred <laughs> of Aes Sedai will be overcome just to go gamble with some nobles. What else? Just cool again, Matt picking up the travels of Jane Fastrider, like Noel is being introduced into the story and everyone's reading the travels of Jane Fastrider. Yep. Robert Jordan just like thickening up the, the references, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> I laughed at when when Tom comes into the room. He he didn't know whether it was Matt that answered the door or not, because Matt's like high pitched yelp of like, come in when when Tylan <laughs> is on his lap is unrecognizable to Tom. That was funny. I felt like ninety of any Lane's sort of enthusiasm about bodyguards was like overly in effusive, right? Like they go, "Oh yes, what a great!" Like they're stroking his ego. Mm-hmm. I understand why they would be keen for bodyguards after having just been like almost kidnapped. So that makes sense for them to be keen, but for them to be so like overly like praising of Matt for having such a good idea, uh, maybe they're trying to plaster over the fact that they are actually scared and need bodyguards but um it, it made me question like is that actually the reason it seemed over the top mm. it is weird i think it's over the top because uh there's this blending period where elaine now becomes very apologetic to me though that she has towards matt mm-hmm. and but why not i need? think it's maybe muddied the water in this stretched a little bit yeah, that's Maybe. what I thought, but that's that's true for Elaine. But I wouldn't have bought it from Nynaeve because Nynaeve's also yeah, but Elaine also about sh- it. Yeah, yeah. Look, this is a hard one because for me, there's also smoothing over that they said they won't slip away, and at the first occasion that they did, they could slip away again. It's mm. uh, breaking their promises. Yes, we're going to allow you in, and then still they slipped away. So. Um, well, this was immediately after the conversation with Matt, right? So, like, when they left Matt hung over in his room, they walked out, Satal cornered them, took them to the kin, they almost got kidnapped and came back, right? So, that is all in one mm. exit. So, technically, after they left Matt, they he was supposed to move into the palace and they wouldn't slip away then, but they weren't going to sit around waiting for him to not be hung over anymore. So, I think... They, they, mm. they get a bit of a break there. Maybe they're trying to manage Matt. Like they think the only way to speak to him is like to a child. Like it's very almost condescending. Like, oh, what a great idea, Matt. Yes, thank you. We'll take those bodyguards. <laughs> You're so smart. He's such a clever boy. Yeah. I mean, that fits with Nynaeve. 
that I'll buy that more than the the <laughs> Gito with naive. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's move along. Let's see how this circus in the Tarasan Palace plays out in a chapter called Chapter Twenty Nine: The Festival of Birds. Since you love birds so much, Vil, how about a chapter summary? Well, this this is all about birds of paradise and the things they mm-hmm. do, just generally dancing and frolicking, frolicking around. <laughs> Um, in the flaunting. hot weather, uh, flaunting and flor- frolicking. Why is it such a hard <laughs> word today? Frolicking. It is. No, yeah. Irrevocable right, fl- frolicking. That. <laughs> <laughs> Say that five times fast. Um, Matt is just woken by the dice in his head. Like he's he built in the alarm clock, has woken him up, <laughs> and um, he. Uh, has breakfast of leftover nonsense in his room because he's still cut off from the food until uh, <laughs> he uh, suffices some other hunger. He's not allowed to get real food. Um, he's very happy that <laughs> Oliver is still there and Oliver is up and it starts like any child would in the morning, exciting feast days with 100 questions to which Matt has to answer, no, there will not be horse racing today. And... Uh, maybe he'll take him to the menagerie and yes he will buy him a mask for the festival and 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 um, but he needs to get uh, ready and dressed to go and as they get ready and dressed Thailand strikes from behind this time now she's got both keys it's like haha <laughs> you should have known I do have spare keys and I've just been toying with you <laughs> this is my palace uh-huh. after all <laughs> my house <laughs> keys don't keep me out uh, and she's she's her plan is ready, uh, already clears Oliver out with a scantily dressed Rosella um, that's got a beautiful mask <laughs> yes, that yes. hides all of her face, but none of the feathers to hide all of the rest of her most voluptuous bosom that Matt has ever seen. Oliver falls for the trap <laughs> like a boom. He's got a mask. Yeah, he didn't stand a chance. <laughs> she's like gone. It's, it's over. Oh, he's stoked. He's out the door. See you later, mate. You're, you're on your own. Um, yeah, now now the dice is bouncing in his head. This is this is crazy time now. Uh, she then locks the door and then tells Matt um, that, uh, you know, in her palace she'll get away. Matt then decides, okay, cool. He's going to be manly and strong about this and wants to manhandle her to get the key out of her pouch to which the marriage knife then comes out and pins him right under the chin and now he's on his tippy toes with a sharp knife right under your head with a queen that he uh, addressed at her first name without an invite and that alone can cause you a bit of a stabbing in Ibadari uh, without any questions asked, that's just normal business. Mm-hmm. Now, as this is, and he's tipping along, and what are you going to do? And please explaining, uh, she marches into the bed and she uh, says, Watch and learn, my kitten. And then she has her way with him some hours later. Uh, he's complaining that it's not natural. And yes, I agree with Matt. It's not natural that you get taken by knife point to bed and bedded. 
and then goes on to complain that it should be his job to do the chasing. It's unnatural that he was chased like that in that mm. way. Um, so fantasy book in a fantasy world. <laughs> um, he's he, he was scared of Thailand and he didn't want to bang the queen, but then the queen banged him. And now he's like, well, it should have been my job to chase you. And <laughs> uh, now that banging has been done. Um, so we'll leave it at that. I'm not going to step into that mole heap now. It's a deep hole to fall into. <laughs> um, now Matt um, is uh, reminded that by Thailand that, you know, you're not Ibudari and this is not your custom, but things get done a little bit differently here. Um, but she clears the loom, tells him there's something left for him. He finds his clothes, uh, which has been cut off his body, which now needs him to hide it because he doesn't want to explain it. Now, <laughs> I think touching on that, and if we want to go back to the serious discussion around consent, mm -hmm. if it was in this book scenario, um, anything about it would be evidence to like, okay, there was an atrocity that occurred here by knife point, mm -hmm. but he wants to hide it because he doesn't want to explain the devious sexual act that he conducted with the queen. It's just not something mm -hmm. to be discussed. So he needs to now hide his own clothes from his manservant, who will definitely, Niram is going to be on the ball. Where's your red, 100%. where's my lord's red jacket? Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's why I think that he's he's not why he's hiding it. He's hiding it from Nerim, not because it's he's ashamed Nerim. of yes. what happened. <laughs> no, no. Because my lord, my have lord to has to wear the red Nerim. coat. What did he say? Nerim was like, because my lord has has spilled red wine all over the blue one, my lord. Yes, <laughs> that's why he got dressed. <laughs> His clothes are always fucked, and Isaac like, oh, Nerim's gonna give me crap again. Now, Thailand left him a parcel. He's got a beautiful mask black and whatever feathers and things to go with it uh some monies some uh, galleons or crowns or whatever we what currency we deal in this world i forget now too many books um he got gold gold coins marks got some marks um so he's now a gigolo Matt now. finally yeah he's <laughs> yep. literally been paid for sexy time uh, and given mm -hmm. a mask and told to be back later tonight for more sexy time he he knows his purpose in the palace uh, now, Matt joins up with uh, Birgitta, Nelician, and to his surprise, Beslan, who's now Matt's best chum. He just wants to hang out with Matt. And Matt is dancing around Beslan because he's quite <laughs> anxious around the topic of boning his mom just moments mm -hmm. ago. Um, I would be too. <laughs> now, um, Birgitta decided to dress for the occasion. And she makes quite a joke about it. Like, look, it's it's nice to have someone look at you, Matt. Like, look at that one there. And this matrix of them now really building. Like, she's pointing out people. And mm -hmm. then the same breath. She's also, Matt is kind of like happy that she's not into him. Because by her choice of men, that would have kind of been like, what does it say <laughs> yes. about him? So yeah, mm -hmm. that that works out well. And that matrix, um is going quite strong now uh, there's a lot of party talk there's a lot of partying happening 
around. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure even where they're supposed to be going right now because they're just mulling around, supposed to go to the watch the king. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's yeah. more of a mission of party to get to the king. Uh, the king, um, Nelician, gives a bit of coin to a beggar and he gets not berated but corrected by Beslan that hold up he's not in the the beggar guard or the uh, the guild for the beggars so and Matt's like Mm -hmm. oh fuck sakes there's there's actually a guild for beggars in the city like you you can't Mm -hmm. be outside even for beggars you have to be in their little society but the next minute the beggars are out with knives and it's like it's kind of reminiscent of those cartoons where there's a, a alley and there's a cat and all of a sudden there's like 10,000 eyes glaring back and reflecting at you. <laughs> it's like that. Beggars everywhere. Anyway, they had to, to punch and fight their way out of there. Uh, Begita and Matt had themselves back to back at a stage, facing off with evil grinning beggars. There's a lot of descriptive plays about these snarling mm-hmm. beggars. They are uh, a brand new mob that I actually quite like, like an evil side but any which way, there's a lot of stabbing, there's swingings of cudgels, there's rolling on the floor, uh, Beslan eventually grabbing Matt and pulling him out of the thick of a fight. And it's like, cool, let's just get out of here. We've got, let the police sort this ruffians out. We, we could better things to do. Well, the other beggars do. The beggars from the guild come and take out these mm. beggars. Mm. No, no, there's no, there's the ruffians need to get sorted out and they're getting sorted out here. It's the beggars' internal affairs. A mat is like, do all beggars go around stabbing folk that walk around here in the city? A little bit uh, uh, not too happy about all of that. But either way, they end up at the rows again with their chain to the table cups and not too great tea and worse wine. Um, and a lot of talk of Taviran. Uh, Beslin um, then when Vegeta excuses himself to, to go and look into the corners of somewhere, there must be something better to drink in this place. Uh, Beslin then just casually like, oh, well, I'm so happy my mom and you got together. Like, just been really happy that she's just, like, he's been pushing her and Matt's sort of, like, chokes on his bad tea. <laughs> and then uh, he he's, like, so stunned by this, he actually walks away. Like, like no, I can't deal with this. And then Elysian comes like, but, but Matt, where are you going? And he's like, no, I need to clear my head. They're like, but you haven't even started drinking. But Matt just walks away and at that also sees something that intrigues him and just decides to follow. Uh, then we have a quick jump to Rianne, who's watching Selene disappear down the street. And then a bunch of them saying, all right, they need to talk. They might need to move operations to the farm and daggy down mm-hmm. their base of operations, <laughs> the red belts, karate, Ibudari style. <laughs> the red and belts. that is the end of that chapter. Yeah, Matt's following a woman, right? The woman leaves mm. the kin and Matt starts following her in his bronze coat and then Rianne is looking out the window and she sees Matt following or a, a man in a bronze coat following the woman but mm-hmm. figuring she'll deal with him yeah thoughts Joe yeah those beggars that attacked them mm-hmm. who was that was that now Arabian dark friends Car- Carradin's men because they're supposed to kidnap him not kill him so I'm wondering 
They had a cudgel, but it was spiked. <laughs> That's you guys got to learn. Maybe they're just terrible kidnappers, or maybe they <laughs> or figured they... they can't. Like they've tried now so many times. Maybe they're just gonna no, go for it. Just kill him. It's it's. I think if the queen's son is walking and gets into a scrap, it and it's out of the norm. He'd go like, "Oh, mother would be so outraged that this is happening in a city." I think that is just the streets of Ibudar. There's beggars. There's fights. Like the one guy talks about old Kali. Old Kali, yeah, I know they talk about it, but why would Beslin just go like laughing at all? The the queen. Beslin's a crazy person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, woohoo! It's time for a fight. There's no way those beggars would bring up old Cully without them being sent there by old Cully to get Matt. Mm. Matt is the target there. And then the other beggars come and take out these beggars because the ones that are trying to kill slash kidnap Matt are not playing by the rules of their guild. Mm. But now, that's another thing. Old Cully is higher ranking than Carradine. So does Old Cully have a separate plan for Matt that does not involve Carradin and... Maybe. Is he higher ranking than Carradin? Or Millie Skank? Well, Millie Skank is the one that's, that doesn't <laughs> bow. She, not Skank. Oh, she bows to thing. Old Cully, but not to Carradin. But that pisses Carradin off. Yes, but that makes me think that in her eyes, when she is has two masters, Old, old Mate... Cully is uh, is is higher. Like she fears him more. Maybe she just fears him more. I don't know. Maybe he has a higher rank, or he's just. I think the ruthless. fact that Carradin is pissed off that she is showing him deference and not to Carradin means that Carradin doesn't think that Cully is higher than him. But I mean, the Dark Friends probably operate yeah. much like like the Black Archer, right? Where they're completely yeah. separate so cells. Three right? connections. Like they, that's, yeah. that's my point. Is that old Cully has his own set of orders, maybe from Mogidian or I'm oh, not Mogidian, but from maybe. some other high ranking to kill Matt because we know that every every Forsaken's got different plans using yeah. different factions to maybe have, some aisle. you know also, also just remember what Carradin is he's uh, just fodder at the moment he's everyone's pawn he's yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. he doesn't have any free movement because he's directed by so many people to do so many things but Carradin and Cully also meet they're also collaborating Mm. Have they met or will they meet? In the scene with Millie Skane, Carradin thinks to himself that old Cully will be coming around later. Ah, uh, mm. okay. so they haven't met yet. Or I think th- I think they had been meeting. I think they meet. Right. I think he know- that's how he knows that Skane is showing mm. Cully deference and not him. It would they'd have to be in each other's company, all three of them, for Carradin to observe that. Ah, uh, that's true. Okay. Yeah, so maybe the plan has changed. That we can't kidnap him, just fucking kill him. Maybe. Who knows what goes on in these dark friends' heads? Vili? Vili? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, Please I translate dark friends' orders. That, um, we try not to give too much out on how we operate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> understandable. Kind of how we've stayed alive for so long and still in the mix. So, the first yeah. rule of Dark Club is you don't talk about Dark Club. <laughs> yeah, you don't fight about fight dark something. <laughs> <laughs> That's cleared everything up. Thank you. 
no, I'm, I'm here to please all night long. No one has any more doubts. Great. In that scene where Matt is like pushed backwards by Tylan with a knife to his chin mm. and he hits the bedpost and he realizes where he is, he's suddenly shocked like, oh, what? You want to sleep with me? I'm like, <laughs> yes, Matt, you idiot. What did you think she was trying to do? Like he seemed shocked. She was just going to try and take his breeches off again and then leave. No, I think he was, he's not shocked at um, that she wants to. I think he very much knows that she's wanting to prey on mm. him. He's shocked, like, no, not like this, like with a knife. Like, I think it's more around the shock that she's by knife point leading him, not leading him, pushing um. him to the bed. Not the shock, like, oh, you want to fornicate? He's like, uh, like, okay, you're going to do it like this. Like, you, this game has gone to knives and beds uh, and literal points. That mm. makes sense, Billy. Yeah, because like he thought once the knife came out, was like, all right, this is the end of me. This game has changed. It's no longer sex. Mm. It's now violence. But it was always going to be sex. And he's like, oh, that. Yes. Uh, okay, I get it. This is from the book. They were in the bedchamber, a flower-carved red bedpost hard between his shoulder blades. Why would she bring him... Dot, dot, dot. His face was suddenly as crimson as the bedpost. No, she would not mean to. It was not decent. It was not possible. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> now I'm even more confused. You shouldn't have read that, Moritz. Just leave us in our own little world. <laughs> Maybe what? he thought that she Matt. just wanted to canoodle and stuff, but she's, she wants the whole nine yards. <laughs> wow. Or inches. Wow, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> he is a Tiberian. He is. Mm. Speaking of which, Rianne says in this chapter, she was sort of, she felt this like urge to give the order to go check on the Tarangriel and stuff. And then finally just gave the order and she felt better for having done it. It's because Matt's been sitting outside of her house the whole time. So his Tiberian nature is directly affecting her actions. And she's like felt this urge to like oh, send someone to the, to the storeroom. And eventually she does and she feels better for it. And that's when Matt goes, ha ha, I'll follow you. And then he finds the, the thing. So like the, the mechanism yep. that the girls were trying to use, just put the Tiberian outside the kin and see what happens. 100% worked. 100%, yeah. You don't have to know how it works, Matt. It just works. Yes. Um, and this is the chapter, obviously, where um, Birgitta is sort of the word Matt uses is preening under his gaze, which even Matt finds weird due to her taste in uglier men. According to Matt, Bezlin is too good looking for her tastes. Mm. But she does Bezlin, seem to have Bezlin like a, everybody's type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just nonchalantly murderous and drinks a lot and <laughs> is somewhat handsome. Yeah. She can overlook that that pretty face of his. Yeah. If we're going to say that Matt then found the bowl of the winds because of his Tiveran nature, and it mm -hmm. is then his Tiveran nature that also played into all of the events that led him to that moment with the absolute shame of facing Beslin, talking about sex with Beslin's mom, that mm -hmm. made him step out and find a woman to follow to find the cash then we can say that it is his severe nature that got embedded with Teslin in the first place. Mm -hmm. and that Thailand. Mm. Thailand. Yeah. Thailand and Beslin. <laughs> Not Teslin. 
<laughs> They're all too close together. I know, wow. I know. The many names. So that's the mechanism. That's a good he point. Had to leave the. He had to sleep with Thailand. He had to sleep with Thailand so that he could have an awkward conversation with her son and therefore leave and run into a woman who's going to the cash. Yes. Oh, that makes perfect sense, Phil. You've cracked it. <laughs> I wouldn't use the word contrived, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly convoluted. <laughs> okay, yeah, but that makes sense. Okay, great. Oh, that feels good. Wow, look at that. Solve the mystery in an episode. <laughs> it's only in the world of Wheel of Time where you can go, well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. Okay, then. The next chapter is chapter 30 called The First Cup. What is the significance of this cup, Jody? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we're back with Elaine. Now, we missed them the last... Uh, the last chapter, but they are now back uh, in the palace and they are with all these other Aes Sedai names. <laughs> You're not going to name them? <laughs> <laughs> Adelaus, Mandine, Carianne, Carianne, and Saretha. Mm-hmm. And she's... Now, something happened between these two chapters that I've missed, but she tells them that they have found the Bowl of the Winds. Yay! Well... Almost as good as that. Because in between these two chapters, I assume, mm-hmm. Nalesian came running with a message for her that said that Matt had, off gone, sh- had, had gone off shouting that he had found it. He's got it. He's got it. Go tell Elaine. Or something like that. Because she quotes that Nalesian. I mean, does she mention Nalesian? Yes. Yes. Oh. I thought that it was at the end of the chapter, Matt comes back and he says, Aha, I found it. Because when Matt leaves Bezlin and Nalesian, they still haven't found it. At this point, Matt hasn't found anything. He's just followed a woman. It's only That's at the end I'm of one of these. About. It's at the mm. end of one of these chapters that Matt himself comes back and he says, "Aha, I found it." And it's at the same time that he lands. Yeah, in right. the last yeah. chapter that we deal with today, it, Matt comes out like, "I found it," but at the same time, Elaine claims that they found it, and then Elaine having to fix herself for Gietto yeah. and then acknowledge to Matt. I will read from the holy texts. Right. At least they were on the brink of it, she hoped. The message Nalesian had come running back with was none too clear. Matt had gone off shouting that he had found it, or something very like, Nalesian allowed. The longer he talked, the more he bounced between absolute certainty and doubt. So in between these chapters, Nalesian had come back and told her that Matt has run off screaming he found it. Or well, he found something. He found something. He's yeah, very so what- unclear about what Matt had found. So she's assuming that it's the ball of the winds or... They're, yes. because Matt's now found the kin yes. and he's following one of them that they're inevitably going to find the Bowl of the Winds. I'm trying to find now what Matt actually says when he leaves. Because I don't recall that in the previous chapter either because he just leaves, doesn't he? Yeah, he ups and leaves and starts following a He doesn't say anything. Mm. Yeah. He doesn't say, I've found it. And then Lesson shouted behind him, where are you going? And Matt goes, if I'm not back by tomorrow... Matt shouted back absently on his shoulder. Tell them they'll have to find it for themselves. He walked on after the woman in a daze, not hearing if Nalesian or Bezlin shouted again. <laughs> so, so that's his message to Nalesian. Nalesian was drunk. Maybe Nalesian, or he misheard. Mm. Yeah, because they were shouting over the crowds. and Tell them if I'm not back, they'll have to find it themselves. 
That's all he <laughs> like said. You'd find it. <laughs> oh, Matt said he found it. Oh, wow. So it's like a, it's a broken telephone game. This is what's mm. happening. Okay. Now, another mystery solved on podcast in real time. Jeez. <laughs> Just we're on a roll today. <laughs> so anyway, Elaine's back with these Aes Sedai in the, in the, in the palace. And telling them, basically, based on the information that she has, that they're basically on the verge of, of finding the bowl of the winds and etc, mm-hmm. etc. Et and through the kin, what they had done to, to find it. So she's basically given them the footnotes. Mm-hmm. And they are pissed off. Like, mm-hmm. beyond pissed off. Merrill is shouting at her, well, as far as I said, I shout, telling her that she has endangered a secret that is sworn to the shawl. And like, this is the end of the world. And it's a massive, massive thing. And Elaine is just like, what? Why? What's going on? Like, what secret? What What are you talking about? Like, well, there's some other people, of course, because she's being shut up now. Well, she's being shouted at because um, she has endangered the secret. But other I said I are fighting with her. Well, at least saying, well, she cannot fault the girl, you know, for mm. you know, revealing a secret that she did not know. Like, because apparently when you get raised to the shore, they tell you these secrets. So they know all about the kin is what's is what the deal is. It's basically her um, her defense attorney, right? Like the the, the room yes. is set up like a court, and there's like a seat of rebuke and a seat of and the seat of pardon. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But no trial has been called. That's the no. thing. All right. No, it wasn't. They just sat like that, and she's mm-hmm. standing because she also wants to have a seat. But the second uh-huh. <laughs> she wants to sit, they're like, "No, you stand." All right. And she's like, "Why are you treating me like this? You know, I am I die and all that kind of stuff." Mm-hmm. And she's she is very confused and getting angrier and angrier by mm-hmm. the moment. So, um, Saratha, I think her name is, she's, mm-hmm. she's, her argument is that it doesn't matter if she knew or not. There's no excuses. Um, and Carrie Ann, this is the one who's supposed to actually be her on her side, mm-hmm. her defense lawyer, basically, mm-hmm. is nodding like along. And, <laughs> and um, Elaine's like, well, this doesn't look good. If the person who's defending me is agreeing with the person who's it's, accusing me, this is not going well. So this is when she realizes, holy shit, this is a trial. And she looks at the way the seats are, like the chairs mm-hmm. have been sit- like placed. And she's like, holy shit, this is exactly how Tower Law says a trial mm-hmm. is supposed to be, is to be taken. And she's realizing that actually nobody is on her side. She's mm-hmm. totally alone. She doesn't even have her own lawyer. Um, yeah, not even a court appointed one, nothing. No. So Saratha, uh is now suggesting that, listen, these, these two girls are endangering everything. This Elaine and Nynaeve. We're going to have to confine them to the palace. We're going to keep their minds and their hands busy and so that they don't get into any more trouble. And then from now on, like every now and then, give them a firm dose of the slipper and spank them. And Elaine's like, what the fuck? Are you going to spank me with a slipper? It's mm-hmm. like, not a surprise. This is spanking. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she's more confused and then angry at this point. And uh, she's she, like wonders aloud as well about these the, all of these secret de- details with the kin. And Mary Lell interrupts and she's like, all right, we're, gonna, we're just going to stop this whole proceeding now. We're going to pass sentence. Everybody agrees. Everybody agrees. So she's about to be sentenced to penance and slipper spankings and all kinds of other things at this moment when there's a knock at the door. Saved by the bell. Mm-hmm. Saved by the knock. It's, it's Mary Lell's maid, Paul. And she has a letter for Elaine. And Elaine... Walks up to her and snatches it out of out of uh, Paul's hand immediately. She doesn't even wait for Mary Lalde's permission or anything, because mm. now she's already on her way to being very pissed off. Mm-hmm. And it's a letter from from Caridan. 
mm-hmm. and he's very flowery apologizing for not contacting her earlier you know he was busy blah 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 but he's got great news about her mother Morgay. she is alive and she is currently a guest of pedron nile in amador and he will quite gladly escort the two of them back to amador and uh, amador to uh Camelin in victory and blah 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 and elaine is just pissed she is furious at this and she's thinking this son of a bitch lying to me about my mother i've just gotten past the death of my mother you know like just started like carrying on mm-hmm. with my life and, and doing things and this guy comes in lying and mocking he, she thinks it's a mocking tone that mm-hmm. he's taking in the letter and she channels and burns the letter in the air and everybody the other Aes Sedai, freak out and Merylel's like who gave you permission to 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 channel and embrace the source um and elaine just orders pole to leave like she uses i thought this is like because uh, she uses her queen's voice her uh-huh. the voice of command yes uh-huh. that her mother taught her were you also were you also thinking the the weirding way 100 percent. 100 percent. dune coming in here yeah so uses the weirding way to tell paul to leave who just does she just turns around and leaves and then like mm-hmm. stops after a few steps and goes wait was I dismissed by <laughs> Elaine? Uh, anyway, it seems like the right thing to do, so she leaves. She figures, regardless, the tension in this room is palpable. I don't want to be here, so she fucks off. Um, Marilel is now like, what the hell has gotten into you here? Uh, and threatens, literally at this point, to go fetch a slipper immediately and spank her. And this is just, that just pushes Elaine right over the edge. Now, she, now she's proper pissed. Um, and she turns to them in a voice of uh, of of cold iron says i am i Sedai. and she lets them know full well from here on out that she is in charge based on luckily for her uh the uh, the Sedai hierarchy that she's mm-hmm. the most powerful all right mm-hmm. first of all so you will listen to me i was raised by the amaran that you say that you follow Egwene Alvia, all right? Mm-hmm. So if you agree that she's the Amaran and you agree that she raised me, then you have to respect me as Aes Sedai. Because they always, they use terms like, once you are properly raised, we will mm-hmm. give you the, all this information. And like, they still don't see them. But here is where she turns the tables on them and tells them, listen, mm-hmm. this, is, this is how things will be from now on. And she, will, she tells them that from now on, you will take your orders from either me or from Nynaeve. Because you were given charge by the Amaran. And we were uh, by the hall, and we were given a, a charge by the the Amaran seat herself. So our orders supersede yours, and because we are stronger in the power, we are actually above you, and we are Aes Sedai, which you all agree to if you agree that Egwene is mm-hmm. the Amaran. So everyone is silent. Merrillel's jaw is on the floor. Yeah, the others are not hiding their shock much better, except for Adelaus. I like mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. who is looking at 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 uh, Elaine like she's seeing her for the first time, like. Just immediately, ooh, what have we got here? What can I dissect? Mm. What can I study? Um, uh, so Elaine orders them at this point to tell her about this big secret. You keep going on about this kin and blah, 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 blah. So Adelaide and Vandine, of course, <laughs> they take turns uh, in proceeding to lecture Elaine about the kin. Uh, I like how these two sisters work. As you know, as mm-hmm. one gets sidetracked, the other one like pulls her back. Yeah. <laughs> they take turns finishing each other's sentences and they basically give us a whole spiel on how how the the tower has always known about the kin it started during the trollic wars where runaways that put out of the tower would flee here to ibudar which was then known as barashta which is now the rahad actually before the city grew and this is where people would come to uh to escape the tower all the runaways and many would become like healers and, and wisdoms and whatnot 
um the kin were always the best there were other societies of runaways that tried to you know establish themselves over the years but they were never quite as good as the kin they were always a bit too loud they tried to create like there was one i can't remember the sisterhood of silence i think they were called mm. that were like trying to make like a, a an in you know like a like a mini tower of their own they were some accepted that had run away in the past and they were trying to train wilders to become channelers but they were too too in your face they were too uh obvious so the, the tower shut them down but they left the kin because they they did things right where they kept a low profile they shut up and they helped um mm. and they and the biggest thing for them was for the Aes Sedai to keep the kin uh, around and not reveal their secret was they knew where the runaways went because the kin had agents in the tower. They had agents in Tarvalon, at least. They would catch mm. up these runaways and take them to Ibu Das. So the Aes Sedai never had to run around looking for runaways because they knew exactly where they would be and they could always recover them because the tower is not finished with you until the tower is finished with you or you are not mm-hmm. finished with the tower until the tower is finished with you. So it, it worked into their into their hands to have the the kin around, and this has always been kept secret. And this is why they were so upset that Nynaeve, uh, that Elaine has has uh, uh, you know opened this can of worms and you know, revealed the secret to everybody. Well, to them, the, who they already knew. So Adelaus and Vandine finish their whole uh, um, lecture, and Elaine stands. Because she's just like, well, I've heard it all. She stands up and she is surprised when everyone else stands up around her too. Because her, her laying down the law worked very, very well. Van Dien sees her surprise and tells she'd her that, you know. taken a seat what? in the meantime. After she had her yes. big freak out, she went and sat down in the main seat. Sort of took charge of the room because she had been standing before. And then, yes, she stands right. up. That's true. Okay. In order for her to be standing up, she had to have <laughs> taken a seat in the past. <laughs> yes. Glossed over that. <laughs> All right. So she had taken a seat. Now she's up again. And everybody stands up when she stands up. And mm-hmm. Van Dien notices the surprise on her face and tells her that, listen, when I said I, when one I said I stands above or is placed above others, the rest of us tend to follow her rather meekly, even if we complain about her behind closed doors. But once it's yeah. been established, we just go with the flow. So uh, Elaine's like, and they ask her like, so what are your commands? What are we going to do now? And Elaine's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I hadn't, f- hadn't thought that far. But anyway, we better, we all better sit down then again and, uh, and let's discuss what we're, going to be, what we're going to be doing from now on. So they all sit down again and Elaine lays out her plan uh, uh, about, well, we, we hear about Egwene's plan for all women who can channel. Mm-hmm. We skip over now. To, and we leave we leave them discussing uh, the new hierarchy amongst them, and we skip over to to Mohdin. Mm. She's back. She's been released. Last time we saw her, she was with old Moradin, uh, mm-hmm. um, and she is being carried through the crowds of Ibudar. Hey, she's in Ibudar too. <laughs> Everyone's here. Um, she's along the docks there. She's in one of those sedan chairs. When uh, you know, shock above shocks through the little sedan chair slots, she sees Nynaeve. We don't know if she's seeing Nynaeve at this point because Nynaeve was sent to go and chat with the sea folk. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why she's at the docks. But Mogidian sees her and she says, that woman, you know, she doesn't name her, but she, she recognizes that woman anywhere because she can know how she walks and how she dresses and everything about her she can recognize. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, being given strict instructions from Moradin. We don't find out what these instructions are at this point, but they had been very clear. But she figures that, hey, I think a little pit stop to kill Nynaeve wouldn't hurt Moradin's plans. Like, I don't think he's going to notice or, mm-hmm. or be too bummed about it if I jump out in broad daylight and murder somebody. Um, With yeah, bale so fire Mogidi- across the harbor. 
<laughs> like in the most extremely obvious way. Uh-huh. So anyway, Mo Gideon is she's on a mission now. She says, "Fuck it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to kill this bitch right now." So she jumps out of her. She screams for them to stop. Obviously, jumps out of the the sedan chair, hurries into this inn that the first inn that she sees, and just she's just compulsing everybody in sight. She wants to get up to the roof. She's pushing people out the way throwing compulsion around all willy-nilly to get people to open doors for her and get up the stairs. So she wants to get up onto the roof so she can have a, like a sniper's viewpoint of, of mm-hmm. how to take her out. So now, and it's at this point when she's standing on the roof and she sees uh, Nynaeve getting into this, this ship and going across the, or this boat or whatever, going mm-hmm. across the bay to the, to the ship that she feels Morden caressing her mind as he strokes the mind trap. I thought there's such a, like a like oh. someone walking over your grave kind of a mm. feeling, you know. You get those the chills, as the yeah. Afrikaans people would say. Yeah. So Moradin, like you can just imagine him sitting there. Just every now and then, he does that. He strokes the mind trap just as a reminder to her that I'm here. Don't forget, mm-hmm. you know. And she he feels strokes like his mind collection of mind traps. He goes. Well, he's only got two neck. at the moment. Oh, just, mm. just hello. Hello. I'm here. What what you up to? Like. At that moment, when she's doing something, so she's paranoid. Like, does he know? Like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. Um, but it's just a reminder. So she bail fires the ship, of course, because that's that's the best way to do things. That uh, that naive is on. Um, but just before, or just at the moment that she does it, there's a flash, and it's pigeons. I thought for once these pigeons have done something useful. In this book. <laughs> and these pigeons launch into the air off the roof around her. So she freaks out, thinking that, oh my god, Morden's here. He has actually come. It wasn't just him stroking the, the, the mind trap as a reminder. So her bail fire goes a bit skew and doesn't hit the cabin that Nynaeve is in. It kind of diagonally slices the ship in half. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of uh, fortuitous for her as well because that's where the oarsmen were and the guards, the red arms, they were sent with her. Shame. Poor guys. Rest in peace, brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read every year and instead cuts through the oarsmen and bodyguards where they were, are, because we don't know now. Mm-hmm. Um and this removed them from the pattern, basically, 100 paces back up the river. So the ship is now in a different position mm-hmm. because the oarsmen wouldn't have rowed those 100 paces. Mm-hmm. And the ship has already been sunk because now it's been in the water for minutes. It's time travel shit, <laughs> basically. <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> it's time travel shenanigans. So the, the ship is in a different place and it's already filled with water. Because of time travel shenanigans. Mm -hmm. So there she is standing on the roof of this inn in broad daylight, having used a shit ton of sidar, not to mention a bright bar of bale fire shot across the fucking port. She realized she's a tad exposed, which is a very unusual thing for Mogedian because she, you know, she likes to Mm -hmm. work from the shadows, not stand on roofs in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. So she's like, well, any woman who can channel is going to have felt that. And anybody with eyes is going to have seen the bar of light streak through the through the bay and sink a ship so absolute terror grips her and she freaks the fuck out and bolts back down through the stairs pushing people out of the way you know throwing compulsion around to get people out of the way and to forget that she was there and whatnot and whatnot because she realizes she's trying to be sneaky (laughs) no she's not she realizes that she's been blatant enough she's not going to murder people now that's only going to you know bring more eyes onto her Mm -hmm. so she darts out jumps into her into her sedan chair, ripping her dress. She screams at the dudes, the runners, to to get the fuck out of there and holds on for dear life. All the while, she's hoping that Morden never learns of this day 
or I'm pretty sure he will. And if he does, he'll let it slide. Like I'm thinking, wow, that's mm-hmm. that's wishful thinking. Um, but while she's thinking all this, she's she's realizing she's gonna she's gonna take it out on Ispan and Felion. She says, I'm gonna make them crawl. And I'm just like, lol, awesome. <laughs> Great. <Fuck them>. <laughs> Brilliant plan. So now all of this is going to take out on Ispan and Falion. So I imagine, based on this, by the way, this is where the chapter ends, straight okay. into notes, um, that Moradin's message to her, her, his orders were to go to the dark, to the Black Aja and go and do something and give Falion and Ispan orders, I imagine. And uh, they are in for a shock when they meet with her. Valian and Ispen were sent here by Mogidian from Amador. Okay. So she knew she's they were here. She, them. She's going to them next. Because she's but coming to check. Part of she's Moradin's ordinance. I don't know because she sent them to um, Ibudar to come find the cash. Mm-hmm. So she's and now going back to reconnect with them. They got very annoyed because she didn't show face, but she didn't show face because she got mm. captured by now yeah. mm-hmm. you know the whole spiel so they've been doing their business and now she's going to rock up for the first time moggy's back mm-hmm. <laughs> moggy's back dressed in moradin's colors red and black yeah, yeah. basically <laughs> in his livery, in livery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great i love it Um, did you have anything to say there, Vil, about pre-Mogidian, the first Dude, cup? We never actually spoke wanna, about the cup, Joe. I want to speak about the, what I really valued out of that chapter and how it mm-hmm. ties into the next one. It's, uh, I want to savor this to the end. Like there's, uh, okay. okay. Well, oh, you want to say it in the next chapter? No, at, at, yes. Oh, after the right. whole okay. Lot, Tie it all together. together. Okay. Yes. I'll save that. All bit. right, right. I don't have much to say about Mogidian, so I'll focus on um, the scene with Elaine and the quote-unquote trial. Mm. I thought it was such good work by Robert Jordan because I was bristling. I felt all of Elaine's frustration mm. and annoyance with these Aes why are they talking down to me? I'm more powerful than that. A slipper. Are you are you fucking kidding me? Are you talking about yeah. like actually hitting me with a slipper as punishment? Like I felt all the righteous indignation that she felt. Um and so yeah. when she when she flips the script on them, that was oh, chef's kiss. Like I fucking love this because she puts them in their place so hard she says to Merrill, if you truly acknowledge Egwene Elvira as the Amelin seat you have to acknowledge me as as, as Aes Sedai and if you don't I name you traitor yeah. you know like it's like Merrill, what do you have to say to that and then she shuts up and then like she goes and she takes a seat and when I think it's Carrie-Anne or like one or Saretha, one of the other, I said, when they sit down again and they have the tea and everything, they bring Elaine mm. the first cup of tea. She never asked yeah. for it, but she takes it and she yeah. drinks it and she realizes, oh, they gave me the first cup. Yes, I truly am in charge now. And it is just so fucking delicious because they did treat her so badly. I just loved it. I thought her, like, her treatment got worse and worse with the Aes Sedai over time. Like when she arrived, they were like, oh, okay, she's here. And yeah. Maybe a bit dismissive, but it ended up with threats of 
slipper spankings, you know, like it really deteriorated. In a mock trial, I think Vandino Adelaus at one point even says, I agree with the seat of rebuke. Like they use the yes. terminology from an actual trial. And she's like, hang on, mm. am I on trial for what? Something I didn't know? When were you mm. going to tell me this? I am Aes Sedai. It's something you yeah. said is known to Aes Sedai, but you have not told me. Therefore, you are in the wrong. Fuck you, everybody. Mm. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. It was so good. Um, fuck you, everybody. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Next t-shirt. Elaine says here, when Paul arrives, you know, Marilyn's maid arrives. So that's why it's a big mm. deal when, when Elaine dismisses her. It's Marilyn's yes. maid. Um, and I think you said that, Joe. But when... Um, mm. When Marilyn, um, when she sees Paul, she says she hasn't been, she thinks she hasn't been this relieved to see anyone since she saw Matt Cawthon at the Stoner Tier. <laughs> yeah, and that ah. hurts to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did hurt her feelings, like, but she damn. had to admit it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, I also thought that the voice that she used, like obviously learned from her mother, um, mm. sounded very much like the weirding way, like she uses it in this conversation since then. And the, the I said, I do fall in line, which is, um, mm. which is great. Um, they have and no choice. No. It's, that's the way the tower works. Because yes. they carry on and on about thousands of years of tower law. Mm-hmm. You've been carrying on about tower law. You, you, you're, you're having a trial based on tower law right now. Mm-hmm. So now you can't turn your back on tower law. No, she's got them. Check and mate. Yeah. Um, exactly. I love that it's also like she's sort of like indignant about this whole thing. And like, what is this really happening? When she reads Carradine's letter, that puts, it, like, that puts her over mm-hmm. the edge. And the line is, the pride of a thousand years of Andorran queens put steel into her backbone. <laughs> I yes. God now, damn, I love that. I had, my first chapter was a load of shit where nothing happened. And then the second <laughs> chapter like made up for it and then some. Um, quick side note here. Carrie Ann Franzi, the one of the Aes Sedai in this room, is the one that kills Van Dien. No. <gasps> Black Archer from the Rebels. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at one point, or at the toward the end, yeah, right at the end, actually, Elaine says to them, I've got something else that I need to tell you about the kin. What was that? Yeah. The age thing. Their age. Yeah. Because I've read ahead many chapters. Oh, right. They, okay. she, too, she brings it up, yeah. So do they put Yo. two and two together like the oath rod limits your lifespan? No, I do, as I know what's happening, we but do I don't it. think they do it at that point yeah, okay. in the book. But yeah, this book just gets better and better. I had to, like, it was a chore for me not to read further and actually, because it's been such a long break. I'm, mm. I'm way ahead. Yes. And it's just every chapter is nonstop radicalness. It's a that fucking To go back banger. and review these chapters for this totally. podcast. It's like, damn it. Now I have to spend time reading chapters I've already read. I am loving this book. Some people talk about book seven as part of the slog. They must... What? I don't get it. It is so, and it just keeps getting better. Like Will probably knows already. I think I think that people that consider this book part of the slog read the books ages ago and now are like thinking back, like we do, in error and mm. just lumping this book in. Like it must be mm. from seven, you know, just getting their timelines wrong because this is not a slog. Yeah, because there's not a lot of time that passes yes. in this book. It's like this. No. There's not significant, lot big movements of things this just a few days 
They can't be because yeah. only a couple of days pass, right? So you can't mm. have these earth moving events or anything. Mm. It's um, it has to just be. And there is like one or two chapters, like you said, Joe, where like nothing happened in the in the previous chapter where you know Matt and Tylan are sort of like mm. getting it on and that sort of stuff. But these are like the exceptions. Like most of the other times, there is crazy shit happening. Speaking of which, let's get to mm. the climax of this episode, which is the final chapter for today which is chapter 31 called mashihara can you find it in your heart of hearts to give us a summary of all i sure can um all right i've got a naive point of view that uh, is uh, sitting on a taxi boat that taxi boat's going to take her to her unwanted rendezvous with uh, <laughs> What is her name? Nesta Dinreas Two Moons. Nesta Dinreas Din Dinjarin. Um, <laughs> she's uh, not happy. Nineve is. What is what is shock? <laughs> now I want I want to just uh, uh, take this moment to reflect on angry Nineve and just mm-hmm. bring in the new dawn of happy Nineve, because for that anger now disappears. Finally, um, and is yes for it, the most part. It, for the mo- you know, like she doesn't have to be angry to channel. Therefore, mm. she doesn't have to be angry all the time. Now she can just be angry sometimes. So let's let's welcome that new wave in. Um, but at the moment, she is still angry because she's angry. She's <laughs> got to do a lot of shit that she doesn't want to do. She has to be on a boat. She's already feeling sick. She hates boats. And uh, <clears throat> next minute, she feels massive amount of channeling. And before she can say, Balefire, Balefire hits. <laughs> and it's a mission for air. She's in a sinking half of a boat that's toppled over. And it, she can feel the, the collision of the boat hitting the bottom of the river or estuary or river mouth however you want to play this out generally not very deep areas um so she uh, then becomes really pragmatic at that moment and like i have to get out i've got to survive i've got a pocket of air and she realized that it's just thick oozy mud thick oozy mud just like in that book um the bear hunt <laughs> one of jesse's favorite books i have to read it so many times i hate seeing thick oozy mud anyway um she finds the handle she can't get it open and she's trapped by the mud and it's solid mud um and as she's fighting she's fighting to get angry and she the anger and she can't channel and the anger's there she's angry but she still can't channel and uh she then takes a last breath of the air that's now sort of gone out of this pocket and she um, begins to drown. Like for the first time now, she's like, okay, this is the end of the road. I can't get myself out of this. And she finally surrenders. And Saida just flows into her like a raging torrent and unconscious as she is drowning she channels and blasts what i assume is the boat apart 
but there's bubbles and she's being forced upwards she vaguely has the sensation that she's got to start swimming and she starts kicking um and then some um burly man hands grab her <laughs> out and she's lugged onto the side of a um boat and people drag her up she doesn't realize but she, you know there was a lot of stuff happened all of a sudden but now she's vomiting out half the river some of the fish her morning breakfast and everything else some of the mud and <laughs> the mud some mud but she's she's uh looking terrible feeling terrible um but she's still able to channel even right now because she hurts the men uh, say, is my lord okay? And the man saying in a stoic, very unemotional, <laughs> low drawl of a manly voice that forget about me, Just man, focus on the woman, no more. And uh, she's like, what? Lan? No, not now. Not like this. This isn't how I landed out. I'm <laughs> gallivanting on the beach, running at each other, jumping mid-air twirl. That is what she had in mind. <laughs> now she's wet, vomiting river and fish water out. <laughs> and she then does the wash and vac channel weave that quickly dries her hair, yeah. straightens it out a bit, cleans her teeth, dries the dress sorts out all the wetness and she turns around and she's like oh my lad and lands there she spins around <laughs> that's anticlimactic <laughs> she spins around to face the most beautiful man she's ever with blue eyes and um immediately starts because now you've got channel on tap wow what's this i can just do mm. stuff she already delves him finds new scars, finds something that she's not happy with and um, completely blown away by the fact that he's there. Anyway, all right, enough of all the Lan frolicking, touching, hugging and all of that. Lan tells her there's a few things. There's, there's a bond. Morale is involved. And there's going to be things that you're not going to like. And Nynaeve is back to angry again, which is a familiar thing for <laughs> that us. That didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> it lasted a little while. Um, but she is not happy with this arrangement that Lan says. Like, he's there to on loan, but he'll return when she finds a water. And she's like, well, that's quite simple. I found my water. It's you. That's it. Done. Um I'll tell her that you're the mine. And FYI, we, we're getting married, like now. My custom, mm -hmm. my culture, marriage is happening. Um, so she tells a lie. She straight up lies to him about the the wedding needing to happen. Um, she also gags him with air. Now, there's a lot of similarities in both my chapters of woman forcefully telling men what is going to happen to them lan being told that he will be both husband and warder and she doesn't care if morel can 
feel what she does to him. In fact, is there a way to let him know that it is her making him feel <laughs> that way? There's a, there's a striking amount of similarities happening. Yeah, but anyway. Um, right, uh, she sits on his knee. There's hearts and ownership stuff. She owns the land now. There's his heart and him and stuff. Um, now, the both in the meantime, Atlan's command has reached the shore because he felt that it's the safest and best thing to do. But she then, at that moment, really just takes charge and like, no, tell them to off again. We're going to that boat. In a mind thinking that every captain has, ship is a captain that can marry people. So she will damn well marry him on that boat if they can do it right now. Uh, but she's already, I mean, she dried herself up. Only now thinking of the honor guard and everyone else on the boat that's died because of the bale fire. And now also mm. realizing, oh, Mogidian's around, but Lan is also around. Okay, that's okay. Lan's around. She's got her water. Everything is back to normal. And uh, then Lan says, you know what? You at least will have me to make you angry because you'll need to channel sometimes. And I seem to be really good at that. And then she's like, no, I'm channeling. My block is gone. And then the realization of gone and uh, the kisses, uh, more kisses and more thoughts of sex and things running through her head. But anyway, um, now we jump to point of view, Elaine. Now, Elaine is not with my knee, obviously, because she's not in the sinking boat, because she's leading this... Uh, <laughs> gang of Aes Sedai that she's the leader mm -hmm. of now. She's She's gone oh, yeah. turf war, Aes Sedai style. She dropped Emerald and Seed rules. She dropped Tao law. And she walked out victorious being served tea. And she is now leading all of these women um, to uh, knock on the door uh, where this kin is residing uh, there's a big gasp and Sidora is faced with elaine within because that's bird's mask body still so everyone's masked and then elaine takes her mask off and they gasp and then more gasp as all the ice die then take off and then realizing what's happening or half realizing but either which way, they invite themselves into the room where there's now the Red Belt Karate Clan meeting at the table. <laughs> and they, uh, or I think at this stage it's Merrill that asked the Merrill, Mary Lily. Merrill. Mary Lily. Mary Lily. Yes. Yes. That uh, says, okay, cool. Who said, take me to your leader type of thing. And uh, Rian sort of like, coughs up and still trying to throw Elaine under the bus and also there's another one naive like if this is what you are coming to get us for they are like outside operators trying to cover up and then eventually like are you referring to Elaine Sedai and the face is just hit the floor mm -hmm. like oh shit she named her eyes Sedai she really is um, she should have said, oh, you mean daughter Ev and or Elaine Sedai would have been the right way to introduce her. 
but will take Aes Sedai as a, a really big jump. And this is where I wanted to bring in the discussion that ties it all together. How Elaine ah. goes, and now for every interaction after this, it's always Elaine Sedai. Elaine Sedai. Like it's, we are introduced to Elaine Sedai, and Elaine Sedai had made herself not by Egwene's declaration, but by her sitting there saying, This is the things that we as a collective agree, and this is our standards and our rules. And I'm calling you to account and face me with my power. Like, this is done because I haven't said three wishes on an oath on a stick that ages you. Um, <laughs> you know, this is this is how it's going to be, uh, which is for me the greatest part of this. And spoiler, my favorite moment. It's just Elaine <laughs> going through and becoming Aes Sedai. Like we said, like all of yeah. a sudden, she's using this voice of um, authority. It's mm -hmm. it's she's just now just stepped into it. Okay, cool. I am now. Now I'm really going to hammer it down. And all of a sudden, she's leading them all to where they are standing now and facing the kin, and getting to the point of the discussion. Like, all right, let's talk about this bowl of the winds that we are after now. Now, um, a little bit more push now as things eventually say, so yes, they never use them. And yes, there is a room. And yes, it's been locked away, as you described, Aes Sedai and a lot of Aes Sedai and a lot of apology Aes Sedai. Mm -hmm. And then asking Rana, how many women do you have on your uh, red belt karate roster sheet? And it turns out there's 1783 three um woman on the roster including wilders and obviously maybe half wilders half chucked out of the tower to which some mm -hmm. of the isodai nearly fainted um mm -hmm. that there is such a number out there that can channel um that they double the isodai double the isodai of the tower it's like huge moment and then the lane is like well if their socks aren't knocked off by that let's really knock their socks off uh, and she asks Rihanna like how old are you and she's like well my next name day I'll be 412 was it, it was 400 <laughs> and something checks notes knows he wrote it can't find it somewhere. We'll check the texts. The text is 412. I was correct. No, you were right. 412 right. years old, and she does not have the grace or the like. The she still she does. She has, but <laughs> yeah, it, Billy, she has gray hair. Billy's not good with the. With the, with the hair color, it's just not your thing. <laughs> yeah, she's not. She's not in a wheelchair. She looks young. She yeah, looks like she, she's in her forties. Yeah. Yeah. She she looks like our wives would look. She looks like Morris. She looks like me. She looks like Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Grey hair no in her forties. <laughs> anyway, um, now at this moment, there's a noise, and guess who found his way to the party? Matt. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Matt's here. 
And guess what? <laughs> I found the bowl of the wings. And Elaine's like, no, no, we found the bowl of the wings. But uh, Avienda, who has also been all along this journey, quietly following along, gives her a very cold look. And immediately she realizes that no, Matt found bowl. Because it's only mm. through Matt that this all transpired. Um, yep. And uh, this is when the age thing was brought up. And with that, Mary Lily fainted. Cool. Someone Again. finally faints. Well, some of the kin had fainted already. Two of them, at least. Mm. Oh, yeah. In the beginning, the, the kin just fainted all over. Like, But it should have said that. Yeah. Like, when the I masks mean, of the came Sedai. off and the Aes Sedai yes. were really there and saying that this is Elaine Sedai, yeah. it's just, just kin dropping like flies. <laughs> And Elaine is like, is anyone going to see to these women? And they're like, oh, yes. No, we were just going to leave them there. No, that, they'll, be, they'll be right. Um, but yes, by far, the best chapter of this stretch of really mat-laden chapters. Um, mm-hmm. And not for the obvious reasons. Interesting. Okay. Um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to say? I mean, that's the end of the chapter, right? Well, it ends with um, mm, Matt yeah, that's, that's storming in. Yeah, that's very much Matt coming in and like doing a Matt's back. The bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Guess what <laughs> I did. <laughs> I think we should call the, the kin now Cobra Kai from now on. Cobra Kai. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. This is enough of this red belt karate. It's, it's a mouthful. We just call them Cobra Kai. Cobra, Cobra Kai never die. Cobra Kylie. Mm. Cobra Kin? No. Cobra Kin. Oh. There you go. There we go. It's Cobra Kin. Got it. It's All a right. t shirt. We wow. should get we... some red headband stuff that says Cobra Kin. <laughs> mm. Here's Cobra another t shirt idea. Go to www.bloodandashespodcast.com and go check, go check for t shirt updates. Your custom Cobra King shirt. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. I just thought it was great. Like, just put myself in the kin's position. Like, they've been giving Elaine so much shit mm. for lying. And then when she comes back, she is Aes Sedai. And not only that, she's the leader of all she's these Aes Sedai calling that the they shots. were threatening her with. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, there's Aes Sedai in there. We'll take it to them. They'll the name Mary Lil. Yeah, like no, no, no. I'll sort them out. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. has changed since I saw you four hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the 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 like the most beautiful part of this is that Elaine went into it before with Nynaeve, so patiently. And where she got to the point and she's like, I'm the daughter heir and they're, they're like, you're the daughter of Sniptown, sit down type of <laughs> thing that, that she's like, oh, like biting a lip. Like, I'm just imagine the, show the you. juiciness when she gets back there. She's like, oh, yes. So about that bowl. Can we talk now? <laughs> Elaine gets a lot of that in these two last two chapters. A lot of her like coming out on top from people who are trying to put her down. It's beautiful. It's it's beautiful. I love it. It's so good. But it is then again, great. she still instinctively tries to knock like cut Matt out of the picture, like she did in the Stone of Tear. Mm-hmm. Yes, you saved us, 
but we could have done it without you. And here, yes, you found the Bolduins, but we, we've done it without you. Like, it's the same scenario again. Luckily, Avienda was there to give yeah. her a dirty mm. look. And But to Elaine's credit, she is also the one that said to Nynaeve, even if they find the bowl through the kin, it's because mm. of Matt that we went to the mm. Wandering Woman, met Satel and Un, were taken to the kin. So even Elaine has actually admitted to anything via the kin is by default because of Matt. So... Luckily, her, yeah, like you said, Avienda, her little uh, conscience can just course correct her whenever she falls into old patterns. Like you said, Vil, this is a huge moment for Elaine, and I feel like for Nynaeve as well. Nynaeve partially because of her block going away. Oh, yeah. um, but I feel like from this moment on, when they're actually commanding other Aes Sedai, they're in charge of now a big group of Aes Sedai and stuff as well. They really take on a lot more responsibility because even though Egwene had raised them, the other Aes Sedai were right in looking at them. I also viewed them as sort of like less than, right? Like mm. they, they are basically accepted that have been called Aes Sedai, uh, but they really take control of that um, of that situation and that responsibility and they really do start calling the shots now. I actually have a bit of a, like a, not a bit, like quite a, a blind spot of how Nynaeve and Elaine interact with other Aes Sedai and the world at large, post this point, right? Like how they actually interact with the other Aes Sedai around them and stuff. Now, I'm assuming it's more of this taking charge. They are two of the most powerful Aes Sedai. So surely any group of Aes Sedai that they're involved with, they would be at the top, like they're at the top mm. of the picking order. Bar Egwene and that's it. Really? Uh, I mean, they're the strongest. No, no, no one's above Catswain. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> but that's that's strength. more her personality and her secret yeah. weapons that she carries in her hair. I mean, they are the strongest Aes Sedai to come mm. to the tower in more than a thousand years. So that's that's even older than Catswain. But another thing you said, Vil, that I also want to keep a lookout for now is this whole naive anger thing. Does she soften a bit now? I mean, she's always mm-hmm. going to be the fiery wisdom from the two rivers, but she's definitely growing. We've seen all the signs of her like looking at dresses now and like being more interested in that. Mm-hmm. Long time ago already in the tower, she said she's going to try and live by the three O's and not lie. Like she is really mm-hmm. trying to live herself into that. I really want to see if I can notice since the block being removed where she allows herself to think of herself as fully eyes to die now and behaves accordingly. Because I think Elaine will, even if she has to be course corrected by Avienda from time to time. I've got a couple quick notes about just like the bits and pieces that happened before the momentous occasion. Um, Nynaeve can't imagine Avienda afraid, but could swear she was afraid of something when picking spying on Caradin instead of going to Nesta Dinraeus. I mean, Nynaeve must know that Avienda is scared of the water. That's why... Yeah, you did pick up on something she's afraid of. It's the water. Like, Avienda doesn't want to do it. She'd rather go spy on a dark friend, something she can stab, than go deal mm. with a vast expanse of water. And then Nynaeve also some classic deflecting, thinking of clothes sues her, but not like Elaine, who's always thinking about them. You know, like, she, she makes it out as if Elaine is the one that's obsessed with clothes, when Nynaeve is the one in the previous episode is walking, like, mid-conversation with Elaine, thinking about the seamstress's shop, and, like, she does good work, and I could come get dresses made here, and that sort of stuff. So, last vestiges, hopefully, of old Nynaeve behavior. Seems like Elaine knows about the bracelet that Avienda wears and where it comes from, because when Nynaeve offered, or, like, asked if she could borrow it for this thing, you know, like, she's dressing up to go to the, the sea folk, she actually asks Avienda, can I borrow that bracelet? And Avienda clasps it to her bosom, like, it's the most precious thing she owns, and Elaine immediately goes over to comfort her. So, 
Elaine must know about the bracelet and the role it plays in the relationship with Rand. They've been sharing, you know, secrets every night. You know, Elaine mm. and, and Avienda are spending a lot of time together. They both know about their Rand situation now. So Avienda's obviously told her about it. And then finally, uh, oh, actually two more things. Lance says here that um, it's a year of pain that an Aes Sedai will feel when her warder dies. So that explains why Alana, he, he says something like, if, you had to, if I had to be your warder and I died... I, It'd be a year of pain that I can spare you by not being your water. So that tracks for why Alana is still grieving for so long. Like we're all constantly reminded of it. Um, and then the last thing is when Nynaeve finally surrenders. I think it's a very short sentence. I think it just says she surrendered completely or something like that. Mm. It's almost like the, first time the shortest in verse in the Bible. Mm. Je- Jesus yeah. wept. You know, like it's just succinct. It's just, and she surrendered. I... Mm felt that you know like when you read <laughs> yeah. those words because Nani mm. is so tightly wound the entire series she's been so tense and uh, and intense you know like you can feel the tension in every interaction she has with every person she's so tightly caught she's always lashing out and so when you read that like okay fuck like she's never let go she's never surrendered she has always been holding on to something even when she's trying to channel and letting herself go and the opening of the flower and all that stuff she's never been able to do it and only when faced with certain death did she finally let go um and i thought that was such a cool mechanism and way for her to actually finally break her block like yes okay cool she had always been holding back she thought she'd been trying but she was always holding something back and now finally she didn't and just like Whew, wipe of the brow. Now we don't have to deal with that anymore, right? Now, yeah. Nynaeve, <laughs> yeah. the most powerful female channeler that we know and trust, is able to just channel whenever she wants. Thank fuck. And I mean, I think it's pretty soon after this that things start happening, like the cleansing of the source and the using of the bowl of the winds mm. and like some huge channeling events, um, which I always found cool that Rand trusts Nynaeve. She's the only female channeler that he trusts to do these big things with him. Um, so super looking forward to that all right so Vil, you've already told us your favorite moment do you want to just repeat it again for the sake of record elaine with everything she does in these chapters (laughs) (laughs) i think we don't even need a favorite moment from each person it's all this one is that for you as well joe elaine is it not for you I mean, it is. You, you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We all have the same favorite moment. I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I thought you guys might both go for Nynaeve's block, which is huge. It's a big thing, but it's not a great moment. It's like, okay, finally, geez, she got it. Like, And we knew wow. it was coming, right? So that's, yeah. that's the yes. point. We knew it was coming. Like yeah. on that first read. I mean, I've mm. always loved Nynaeve as a character, um, mm. more so in the first read than recently where I've actually been annoyed by a lot of her, um, her actions. Yeah. But in my, on my first read, I think Nynaeve might actually have been my favorite character. Um, my first mm. read being up till the end of, I think, this book. I think Nynaeve is written as such a powerful character in the book that mm. in your first reading, you 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 pick up the strong characters the most and you they yeah. dominated because as they dominate the people in the 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 the, the context and the text and the, the mm. scenes they dominate your mind as well they overpower yeah. the fact that sure. i am here 
So it, it naive was everything in a first read and every first reader will argue with you like, wow, man, that's, she's the best. And hidden mm. in among all of that areas of strong characters doing very strong things and being very powerful and over and dominating the story is these other people's going through massive things as well that you just, yeah, it's too big a story yeah. for one reading. It's more it's kind of so much going on. <laughs> it is yeah. this, and it is. that's true. why we like we've the first opinion of everything. The only thing that first opinion still is continuously the same for me is is Doom as Wells. If so, just with more <laughs> horror. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's even me, worse it's like, than the first. Okay, time. finally, Nynaeve's block is broken. It's been such a big story. I'm not going to clap mm -hmm. hands and go about it. Cool. It's an event that happened. It's like we knew it was it's coming. before the block. Yeah. It's after the block. There's a set point in time. But seeing this is the new calendar. Elaine go BB and AB. Yeah, <laughs> before block, <laughs> not block. Yeah, totally. To see Elaine become yeah, so my... a queen and yeah. bring in, we and we be using the Ben Jesuit voice, like the, the, yeah. my voice taking control. It would almost yeah. be amazing to hear oh, him speaking. So good. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> yes, it's just it was, it was fantastic. My favorite moment was specifically in the room with the Aes Sedai, like taking control yes. of them. The kin, I also knew that was coming because we knew who Elaine was. They just didn't mm. know. But when she took control of that room, oh, man, that was so yeah. cathartic. I mean, like I said, I felt the that's frustration. That's my favorite moment. Yeah, I felt her frustration and then she let it all go and she put them straight in their place because they are infuriating, especially mm. in that scene. I think I think that we we glossed over like the naive moment because a we knew it was coming and b we didn't remember that thing with Elaine <laughs> like the yes. detail of that situation yes. I didn't remember that scene at all so it no. was like reading it for the first time yeah like I I didn't even remember that she took charge of those Isodai no. in Ibudar no so Same. this was all news to me so mm. I think that's like a bit of the of yeah. why that came out above naive although they are both fantastic and pivotal moments big pivotal moments exactly my honorable mention is oh yeah the little matter of nine block being lifted <laughs> yeah that thing but i mean we, we 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 also don't experience her block being gone now and what the effects of it is like there's uh that will still come and you're like oh, oh shit, yes this is what it means like the power that she has on tap now to do cool yeah. shit is not just power that i have to fight with and fight to get and then struggle to maintain like now all of a sudden it's like a budding rose budding out of her it's just budding everywhere happening <laughs> lots of budding it's like spring in budville <laughs> um jacob also wrote in with a couple of favorite moments uh you might recognize some of these the first one though is a good one Mogidian being responsible for Nynaeve beating her block is great and a huge turning point for her. Like, mm, thanks, yeah. Mogidian. You were trying to kill her. You were like so dead set against Nynaeve and you are the one that actually got her over her block, which is awesome. And then Jacob has some honorable mentions, three of them. Elaine putting the Aes Sedai in their place is amazing and facing off with the kin. Also her recognizing that these women are also people and don't need to basically worship the Aes Sedai. Two, mm. Matt's pants being untied somehow is great when Tom and Julian come into his room. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, and then also for him, the the girls accepting guards, but not ex explaining that they were almost kidnapped. 
Right, right. Thanks, uh, Jacob Carradin. I always just think of him as Jacob. Jacob Carradin. Oh, now. I'm sure he'll take exception to that. <laughs> I would. <laughs> <laughs> to our other listeners not named Jacob, send in your favorite moments, corrections, thoughts, theories, or just say hello. You can do that by using the links to our social media pages in the episode description, uh, where you will also find uh, links to the webpage where you can buy T-shirts, links to the Discord that you can join. Uh, or just from the website, leave us a voice message, just like Gerald did at the start of this episode. Now, next time on Blood and Ashes, we will cover chapters 32 through to the end of 35. Four more chapters. That is Seal to the Flame to the end of Into the Woods. Into the Woods sounds like old school adventuring. You know, mm. what woods? What are they doing there? I'm excited to read some uh, some old school adventure. I'm hoping that's what that is. I don't know if that's like a, a metaphor for something else. No, I th- it's a rand thing. Okay. Because, can I say? <laughs> or is it not allowed to spoil it? You can this say. Is the, like later in, the, in this chapter is when Rand goes to meet the, the rebels. Mm. The Tarian ah. and Carrion rebels and he fights Torum. Brighton and the and uh, mm. yes the duel Amazing. and then Payton Fane and all of that happens sword fight of yeah. note. Fuck this book is this book is crammed with rad mm. shit. I tell you, this oh. is not part of the slog. No, and the next book not. is like this thick. To the people who are listening, it's about an inch <laughs> between my thumb and forefinger. It's a it's a thin book on the shelf comparison to all it the is. other books. It is so that goes quick too. Yeah. Isn't that where he uses Kalando and kills all his own men? Yeah. 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 It's a tough one. Lots of shit happens there. All right. Well, then, until we read all that stuff, I will say to you, mm. sleep well and wake. Hasta mañana. Good evening.